Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. guys we are live with uh, red versus blue high stakes fantasy radio wherever you may be thanks for making us part of your night i'm scott atkins team legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football and we are doing a live draft for the nffc the national fantasy football championship mike trent is on the clock right now that's our good our co-host from brandenburg kentucky mike is on the clock the first couple of picks are already live we're going to talk about this contest this draft and everything possible to the rest of the night uh, the first four picks, we want to get you up to speed. Adrian Peterson at one, Doug Martin at two, Jamal Charles at three, Arian Foster at four. Mike, I think, had his eyes on Jamal Charles. He didn't get him. He fell to, he, he went to three to Billy Waz. Team Trent is on the clock, and he takes my guy, C.J. Spiller. Mike, I didn't, even, I, I didn't want to mention before the show that who I had my eyes on because I was like, I don't want you taking him, but you took him. Yeah. Well, you know, chances are if you would have uh, mentioned him, then I probably would have shot away. So I'm glad you didn't say anything. But <laughs> glad to have everybody uh, involved, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I targeted the seven pick because I felt uh, we're going to talk about the KDS, the Kentucky Derby-style uh, draft slots here and everything. Uh, everything that evolves around the NFFC, we're going to do it tonight. We're going to step out of our zone. This is the Red vs. Blue Show sponsored by FF Toolbox. We have the Fantasy Football World Championships and all that stuff. But tonight, this show, you're now on the clock, the National Fantasy Football Championship, Greg Ambrosius, Tom Kucinich, all the gang there. We've been doing this for years, Mike. It's one of the reasons yeah. that Red versus Blue Radio even exists. Tell that story, and I'm going to I'm gonna make my pick here at the seven pick. Calvin Johnson just went at six. Yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead and uh, make your pick, Scott. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like uh, when we were on the way up that one year uh, to Chicago, uh, for you to kind of get me involved, I know I've told the story before, but I'm going to tell it again. You know, it was uh, it was a way for you to kind of bring me into this type of atmosphere. 
And uh, ever since then, uh, you know, we just kind of had a little uh, fondness for the NFFC and uh, what they do and the way uh, Greg, Tom, and the whole group uh, just continues to build and thrive. And uh, this uh, live draft that we've been doing on Red versus Blue Radio just keeps building. And, uh, man, it's sold out in uh, record time. And, you know, that that's just something that you uh, you don't hear about uh, a whole lot. But uh, sold out in record time. And I uh, see, Scott, that you went ahead with uh, Shady and uh, LaShawn McCord. There's a couple of several safe picks there, I think, at this point in the draft. Uh, Calvin was one that was taken right in front of me by morons. LaShawn McCoy was one that I've been considering. Ray Rice, obviously, is safe. I'm not going to do a lot of name dropping here tonight before uh, guys are on the clock. But, look, there there are several safe names out there. This is a pick-by-pick commentary draft. You do know what you're getting into when you sign up. And what you're signing up for is for Mike and I to basically analyze the picks, maybe at times kind of uh, joke around, kid around a little bit, and to predict what I would do if I were you in your shoes and, and that type of thing. So that kind of stuff does go on. Don't let it bother you if you don't want to listen you know, turn it off. But we we do analyze the drafts. That's why we, uh, we've we been doing it every year. We've been doing it for FFPC, the NFFC, and now we're going to be doing it, obviously, this year for FFWC and Roto Bowl. But uh, very interesting, good first start to the, the draft, Mike. It seems like there's always a premium on running backs uh, in the uh, in the Draftmaster format. I'm going to go ahead and bring on uh, a guest that's from the 908. 908, you're on with Red, Red versus Blue. Hey, guys. It's Jim Day. How you doing? Hey, hey. Just figured I'd come along and spend some time with you and analyze this draft if you'll have me. Hey, man, we I, I tell you what, would love to help. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, no worries. I'm here. Jim Day, a.k.a. at Fantasy Taz on Twitter. Love that. Love having you on the show. This is the National Fantasy Football Championship. It's the 150 Draft Master, so there's a little bit of money on the line here. Not only do you have the prizes associated with uh, the Draft Champions League, you have a competition that exists outside of this league of 12 that we're all kind of we're all kind of battling for. There's uh, it's a fifteen thousand uh, dollar grand prize, or at least it was uh, the last time I looked. Sometimes these guys it gets up, you know, you never know. Uh, it may be uh, even more than that now, uh, maybe less. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's actually a ten thousand dollars. I'm sorry, ten thousand dollars to the top overall team uh but you can get in this thing as much as you want and you have to beat the you, you got to be thinking about your league of, of of 12 right i mean that's that's the thing you have to you have to beat your league of 12 that's the first step yeah no absolutely you can't move on unless you beat your league of 12 so that yeah you know, right now the only thing you should be thinking about is your league of 12 let everything else play out Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. It looks like the first round has has uh, is 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 nearing uh, its completion here. Just just was the twelfth pick was just made. Alfred Morris. Uh, let's let's get the, everybody caught up at home. Ray Rice, Trent Richardson, A.J. Green, Des Bryant, Alfred Morris. Uh, Mike is going to be on the clock here in a little bit. Mike, any picks surprise you there? It looks like a pretty status quo draft so far. Uh, to me, it does. You know, we just had uh, Brandon Marshall and uh, Marshawn Lynch, so uh, nothing really is uh, earth-shattering as of yet, in my opinion. Henry Muto in the chat room, $15,000 grand prize. Now, I thought I had read that, $15,000 grand prize. Uh, Electric Relish, why is this draft in MFL? I thought NFFC, NFC has their own site. They do, Electric Relish, uh, but the draft room viewing is restricted to only the uh, the uh, 12 participants in the draft. So what we did was 
we went ahead and set up a league uh, on my fantasy league. And our good friend Jim Weishart sitting in the back uh, in the studio in the box, and he is uh, loading those picks in one at a time for you guys so you can watch the board uh, to the draft. Uh, that's very uh, – we, we really appreciate Jim and his his pretty contribution nice, there awesome. so that everybody can – yeah, everybody can uh, join in the fun and watch the draft uh, unfold. Now, I'm one pick away. Jim, I'm going to turn yeah. it over to you. There's There's been about uh, 17 picks so far. Anything surprising? Steven Jackson just went. No, nothing you know, major league surprising yet. Uh, a lot of wide receivers coming off the board early. Uh, something we're you know used to seeing in the high stakes leagues, and definitely like their their wide receivers more than they like their running backs. Um, you know, nothing really surprising yet. Julio Jones went at, at 203 to Team McCord. Uh, Demarius Thomas went to Team Edelman at 204. Uh, so you know, definitely wide receivers coming off early. We know that that's a big trend. And then, like you said, at 205, Team Hill took Stephen Jackson, a guy I'm very high on this year. I think it's just a perfect situation for him, guy that could easily end up as a top five running back uh, with that Atlanta offense. Defenses aren't going to be able to fold down on top of him because of the passing game, and he's going to get extra chances at touchdowns and uh, definitely going to get back to receiving the ball quite a bit. So definitely a guy that has good potential to be a top ten back, if not top five. Now Mike is getting ready to get on the clock. I had a tough decision there in the second round, uh, but when I looked at the running backs that were out there, it really became pretty easy for me pretty quick. Matt Forte Still sitting there at 18, uh, Jim. It seems like a, a a guy that has always a little bit disrespected. And why is that? What what's wrong with Matt Forte? Well, you know, coming off the year where people expected more, you know, the numbers were down a little bit. Um, you know, that that's going to hurt. But I, I think this year numbers are just going to go right back up. I think the addition of Tressman and coach is going to emphasize the passing game, the shorter passing game, and the running backs are going to be highly involved in that. So I'm looking for Forte to uh, to really pop back up this year, and I think that represents great value to get him at 2.06. At 2.6, Matt Forte. 2.7, Jimmy Graham. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. And at 2.8, Michael Trent, you take Aaron Rodgers. Uh, one of the things that people who have never played the NFFC, you have to know, the quarterbacks – get six points per touchdown, Mike. That factored into your decision a little bit. This is a very deep draft, two things. Yeah. It's a very deep draft for quarterbacks, and also being a draft master, some people say that, well, and a lot of us, uh, a lot of times you can piece together for your quarterbacks and still get a nice premium quarterback out of the deal, but you felt compelled to take Aaron Rodgers there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been burnt, uh, been burnt a couple of times by not going ahead and making that move and waiting on the uh, sixth, uh, fifth, sixth, seventh round quarterback that honestly is not going to get the amount of points uh, that you would expect uh, from that type of uh, quarterback. When I feel, I felt like an Aaron Rodgers was a very safe play. Uh, the Jimmy Graham in front of me, it was between those two. So it's kind of fallen uh, really the way I kind of hoped it would. Yeah, the only problem with that, you know, you're getting the safe points at quarterback, but how big a hit are you, are you taking at the other skill positions by not getting a stud running back or a stud wide receiver there? Yeah. That's where it really comes into play. You know you're going to get yeah. solid points from Aaron. Nobody's ever going to argue that point. But the fact of the matter is when you're taking a running back in the second round where other running backs that may not get exactly his number of points but are only going to be off by, you know, several points a game, 
in my opinion, that you can get them in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. It's it's just very hard to compensate for that when you lose the positions at running back and wide receiver. Well, Mike, I'll just say this, and then I'll let you respond, buddy. You better be digging in and finding that sleeper running back, that guy that you know that everybody else doesn't, so you can fill that hole later on. Well, there's a couple that I that I feel uh, feel pretty good about. Uh, first off, I felt like the uh, T.J. Spiller move uh, is going to be huge. I mean, that's going to be uh, tremendous for me this year. And uh, yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few others uh, that are laying out there. And you know, I, I mean, I don't know uh, how much uh, longer I'm going to really be taking a look at running backs. I'm I'm probably going to be going wide receiver heavy uh, for quite some time. I don't I don't blame you there. You've got a you've got a good start. You just have to uh, make sure you don't miss on that other uh on that other spot when it comes time to fill that RB2 spot. Hey, you can rotate them in. I I see a lot of people doing it. You might need yep. to go ahead and hit your four wide receivers and get those locked into your lineup. The Let's talk about the starting lineup at the NFFC. One quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one kicker, one defense, and one flex, and that flex can be running back, wide receiver, or tight end. So you know, you've got your quarterback. Make sure that you have you, – you may not have two really strong running backs unless you get one right here, right? And you and you very you, you very well may this year. There's still lots of running backs on the board. Uh, but other than that, you're going to have to get that – you're going to have to play that rotation uh, at RB2 and get you four lock-solid wide receivers. Now, let's get everybody caught up on the draft action since that Aaron Rodgers pick. Get Paddle, Greg Diesler, Percy Harvin taken. We've talked to Greg many times about Percy Harvin. He's absolutely in love with him. And maybe he's right. New offense, Russell Wilson. We'll talk about Percy here in a little bit. Reggie Bush, very disappointed to see Reggie Bush at 210. I was thinking about him at 26, to be honest with everybody. But at 210, uh, that's a um, that's a that's a nice pick for Billy Waz. It's obviously a little bit telling that Billy Waz, a player that's in the high stakes world, does very successful, cashes a lot of checks, takes him at 210. You got to take a second notice there. Drew Brees at 211 uh, by Como Husker. And uh, look, that's the second quarterback off the board. Uh, so we we are we we have seen two quarterbacks come off the board now. And then Maurice Jones-Drew. The injuries aside, there that's a very difficult injury. That Liz Frank type injury to to come back from. Let's see how he does. It sounds like he will be right, Jim. He will be there for for week one. Is that what we're hearing? Well, that's what we're hearing. Uh, until we see him on the field, though, it's, it's hard to you know absolutely know what's going to be there. But you know, we are hearing he's going to be ready. They're just taking it easy with him. No reason to get him hurt now. Uh, so we probably see him on the field for week one. And you know, I like his chances this year. I like his chances to have a solid year. He's playing for a check. He wants to get paid next year. After Maurice Jones-Drew, we see Darren Sproles, Andre Johnson, Randall Cobb from the Green Bay Packers, a very ups, uh, very high, trendy pick this year uh, that we've been seeing go at the top of the third round, and Chris Johnson. Look, Randall Cobb has all the ability in the world. The question is, how is he going to get used? And, uh, you know, look, he is uh, just an electric playmaker for that Green Bay Packer offense. With Greg Jennings now off to Minnesota, does Randall Cobb have what it takes to be considered a wide receiver one? Uh, that's the question. Uh, when we say wide receiver one, we're not saying a really good wide receiver. We're saying a, a top 12 wide receiver. And in a PPR format, is he going to get enough catches? I, I would say that he has the opportunity to get 90 catches yeah. this year, maybe even more. Last year he finished as wide receiver 16 and only missed a game. So he has the opportunity to be a top 10 wide receiver, Mike. Yeah, uh, without question. Scott, uh, you're on the clock. Uh, I'm sure you know that. But uh, Randall Cobb, there's going to be a lot of, uh, of course, 
with me taking Rodgers, I'm going to say this, but there's going to be a lot of different options uh, for them to have. And, uh, you know, there's a couple others that are just waiting in the wings that will probably be drafted, I would say, within the next uh, round, round and a half. So uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, Green Bay players that will be taken care of. After uh, Randall Cobb, uh, Chris Johnson, uh, you know, it it doesn't surprise me. He keeps talking about 2,000 yards this year, Uh, you know, talk is cheap, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, And then after Chris Johnson, uh, Darren McFadden. That's an interesting pick, Jim, and I I just kind of want to bend your ear on that one. Uh, Darren, you know, he's that type of player. Should you take him, should you not? You know, what's your thoughts on uh, Darren McFadden going uh, right where he went? Actually, I love him there. If you can get him in the third round, you're talking value. This is a guy who has that that ability to be a top-12 back if he can stay healthy, and we know that. He's fighting injuries every year. But, you know, positive things we're seeing. First of all, uh, uh, the running game is going to change. They're going to go back to a power running game, which is what he likes. Last year, you know, they had the hesitation move. Not what he wanted. That's not what he does. He, He wants to get the ball and go, and when he's had that chance, he's always been productive when he's on the field. That's always the case. But the fact that you can get him in the third round as, you know, possibly you're running back too presents value over, you know, in years past where guys were still taking him in the first round, even with the injury bug. So I absolutely love him there. It was a very down year for Darren McFadden. When you look at everything across the board, I mean, he did play 12 games. That's kind of a big number for Darren McFadden. When you look at his games started over the last five years, five, seven, 13 was big, 6, 12 was big. He's never really had those years where he's just really put it all together all season. So so when you have that kind of a track history, look, that's a longer injury history than we have on DeMarco Murray. We have a, a, some, some injuries in Oklahoma. We have injuries in, in Dallas. But we have five years of injuries here on Darren McFadden that we can look back at and say, this guy just cannot finish a season. And, and a couple of things scare me. Uh, look, he got 18 touches, uh, 18 rushes a game. His yards per carry, 3.3 yards a carry. We've never seen that from Darren McFadden. I mean, uh, five. he's a five-yard-per-carry guy. So something was very nagging him. Obviously, the offense by Greg Knapp that he had last year. Now you bring in Greg Olson with a down uh, a down ru- downfield rushing type of offense. I think he's going to see some balls. You see Marcel Reese is kind of going to get his little uh, receptions and kind of ease the workload a little bit on McFadden. I think that will be very valuable. Kind of get back to those days of Michael Bush and Darren McFadden. That's a couple of things that you have going for him. But the real concerns are the yards per carry, the yards per reception last year. All those dumpers didn't work. It didn't work for fantasy owners, and it didn't work for the Oakland Raiders. I think Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, is smart enough to understand that, and they're going to use him in a in a much better way this year. So I agree with you, Jim. Good value, but definitely some risk. I want to go to my pick that I just made, uh, a little surprising of myself. I'm a little surprised. At it, and I do this all the time. When I'm on the clock, I just do things that are kind of – it's not what I've been doing, right? I would usually take a guy like DeMarco Murray at uh, 3-6. And then I see Morons. Uh, he's right behind me. And what does he do? Eh, he takes DeMarco Murray, you know? So uh, it, I was in the right ballpark. But what do you think? This David Wilson, DeMarco Murray, I think this discussion is being had by a lot of fantasy owners, Jim, uh, around this third round when you're looking for a running back. What do you see in these two guys, and which one to you looks like kind of the the pick there? Well, I'm going to take Wilson over Murray every day. I just don't trust Murray. Um, You know, you said we don't have as much injury history with him, but we we do, basically, because not only games miss with him, it's also, you know, how often is he on the injury 
list, how, how often are we worried about him starting every week? Uh, all things that concern me a ton. Uh, I'm just not there with him. I, I think he's it's too early for me to go after him when there's other guys on the board that I'd rather take. And, and one of those guys, well, I, I don't want to bring names up, but there's definitely guys on the board I would take over him at this point. Hey, hey, you know what? Look, this is a draft. They can listen to us all. This is this is the big time for fantasy sports, right? When we when you get to this level and you're doing a draft live and you sign up to be on the pick by pick commentary draft, you want to hear you want to hear the picks, even if it's a guy on your radar. Look, if you want to listen to Jim, listen to Jim. Is I mean, if you trust Jim, if you trust me, if you trust me, you're probably going to get three different answers. Uh, you can you can talk to the guys in the chat room. Some of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy are in the chat room every single week. This is the crew. And I want to give a shout-out to a couple of the guys that are in here uh, religiously. Brothers Mayhem, Electric Relish, Henry Muto, IPS Driver, uh, Taz, of course, and then Urinal Men. You guys are always uh, in the Red vs. Blue chat on Friday nights, and we, we thank you for being here and uh, helping this draft out. There's a lot of guests, a lot of guests, maybe first-time NFFC listeners that are listening tonight to find out what did these draft champion leagues look like because you know there's people that are ready to jump in and spend $150. Now, we just saw Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller, the, 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 the perceived starter in Miami, uh, off the board. So I don't know if you were considering him, Mike, as an RB2, because that would have been a really nice fit for you, my man. Uh, but Lamar Miller is gone. Let me let me catch up on some other yeah. picks. After DeMarco Murray, Victor Cruz, Roddy White, Larry Fitzgerald. Love Larry Fitz at 310. Are you kidding me? Frank Gore, Vincent Jackson, Eric Decker. Decker going before Welker. That's a discussion that we need to have in the, in the, in the high-stakes circles. Decker before Welker, is that the right play? And then sure enough, right after that, we had another Bronco, Peyton Manning. Could be the number one quarterback in all of football this year with the addition of Wes Welker. Uh, Mike Trent goes Jordy Nelson to pair up with Victor Cruz. Uh, talk about Jordy Nelson, Mike, while I'm, uh, I'm I'm waiting on my pick here. Yeah, sure will. Uh, you know, this was a type of pick that uh, in front of me, uh, I was looking at Lamar Miller, but, you know, I'm thinking uh, – I was able to get Victor Cruz, and I got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, so uh, I, I guess I'm kind of pushing uh, all my chips in the middle, but uh, I thought that was a good spot uh, for Jordy Nelson at that, at that spot in the fourth round. And uh, so if I didn't get Lamar as my second running back, then I might as well try to double up uh, getting uh, Jordy uh, alongside uh, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Not a bad thing. You, you you know you're going to get points from those two guys. I, I like Jordy to bounce back after you know pretty disappointing year last year. So I I definitely don't mind that that whole philosophy. I like to double up, especially if you're talking about one of the hottest tandems, uh, or could be one of the hottest tandems in the league. So definitely not a bad strategy there, Mike. Yep. <clears throat> right after that though, there, there's a, a the morons go with Danny Amendola, and you know this is a guy that. While I love the way the kid plays, I just think he's coming off the board too early. I mean, you know, I love the way the guy plays, but the fact of the matter is he plays like a linebacker and his body gets beat up and he misses too much time. And, you know, like Murray, with you know, Morons is going for that team. He got Murray last last pick. He's got Amendola this pick. Both of those picks scare me a ton. Well, and I think the the, uh, the 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 elephant in the room is the Aaron Hernandez Rob Gronkowski discussions. First, with Aaron Hernandez, uh, it has to impact Danny Amendola in some way, shape, or form because you can't just go and replace Aaron Hernandez and potentially Rob Gronkowski if, for whatever reason, these events, these these injuries to Rob Gronkowski, and now the the uh, the the craziness 
that we're seeing for Aaron Hernandez. You can't just go and replace 170 receptions. I know that was two years ago, 116 receptions with injuries last year. But for that offense to really operate, they want to throw the balls to the tight ends about 150 times, uh, you know, catch 150 balls a, game, uh, a season. And the receivers, they're good for about 200. But if you lose both of those guys, that offense has to dramatically shift. And you're talking about that those tight ends. Let's say Gronkowski. Let Jim. Let's just say, for instance, Gronkowski and Hernandez are both out. A, a combination, a combined total of 24 games. Let's say one of them misses the entire year, and the other one misses a half year. Okay, if that were to happen, 150 receptions from tight ends has to go to about 50. I would imagine you're not just going to produce star tight ends that can catch the ball. 50 or 60 is about the the average. Maybe even we'll give them 70. That means 80 balls are there to go around to those wide receivers and running backs. Absolutely. And I, I'm not uh, – don't get me wrong. When Amendola's on the field, he's going to be a great producer in this offense just for all the reasons we're talking about. They don't really have any other wide receivers except maybe Julian Edelman that is going to step up, at least that we know of yet. The rookies are there, but how much can you count on them in year one? So he's going to get that chance. It's just how many games is he going to miss? You're talking about another guy who's missed – multiple games pretty much every year of his career. That's true. Jim, go ahead and put the link for us, if you don't mind, uh, into the chat room so the guys uh, that are new to the to the room can go ahead and see that uh, link to the draft board. Hakeem Nix, Dwayne Bow, Reggie Wayne, Stephen Ridley, and Marquez Colston. Now as teams are going to start to develop, we've got four rounds of action in the National Fantasy Football Championship. I want to remind you that in the NFFC, every league is third round reversal now what's that you say third round reversal is the solution to and the answer to the perceived unfairness of the folks that get the top couple of picks everybody would say that if you get the top couple of picks you're feeling a little bit better than getting to the end now some people will disagree and say there's no edge because i'm getting a better play in the second round however there's there's a good contingent of crowd out there that says hey if you're getting an early pick, you feel pretty good about that, uh, and the other guys have to wait, and so you're getting all the, 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 you know, the big studs, and then in the second round, you're getting the studs, and they're having to catch it. But the third round reverses, and so you get the first pick. The, the 12th guy gets the first pick in the third round, and then it keeps going. So it's called third round reversal. It's to, it's to offset the perceived unfairness in fantasy football. Jim, are you a fan of 3R? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it provides a, a, another – way to di use different strategies and that's what i like about it you know I i'm always up trying to find different strategies that work in different ways and this mm -hmm. is one way that does it. it to me you know it may go a little a little much the other way but mm -hmm. uh, ultimately it still depends on who you draft mm -hmm. well and in this draft for example team greenberg gets alfred morris at the 12 brandon marshall at 2-1 he doesn't have to wait till the end of the third. He gets to start at 3-1, and he takes Darren Sproles. Now, if he would have had to have waited till the end of the third, his running back would have been Lamar Miller if he wanted a running back. There's a pretty big significant difference between Darren Sproles and Lamar Miller. In a PPR league at the, as of this point, you feel pretty confident that Darren Sproles is going to produce in New Orleans offense. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, speculation about that. We know what Darren Sproles does in a PPR league uh, in the New Orleans offense. He's going to do well. Yeah, so, he's a better wide receiver than running back in that offense. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Darren Sproles, kind of a lock for 55, maybe 60 catches in the uh, – or 55 or 60 carries for the year. 
And then, you know, you can pencil Darren Sproles in for 70 or 80 catches. That's just what he's going to get you. And he's going to break some big ones, and he's going to get some touchdowns. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Darren Sproles post 220, 230 points this year. It's a very good uh, player to have in PPR. Uh, we're going to start looking at team breakdowns here in a minute uh, because this is the point in the draft where team construction becomes very important. Look, let's all face it. First three or four rounds, everybody's got good players. You can have them mixed up, mixed and matched. I prefer not to have a quarterback early, but that's just me. That's personal preference. I I prefer to wait. Uh, I, I I would be okay with taking a, a tight end, a stud tight end, like a, a Graham or a Witten or a Gonzo or something like that, somebody that you know is going to produce. I'm okay with that in the NFFC. I think that's a very under over overlooked position in NFFC because it doesn't have the sexy one-and-a-half points per catch, and like the quarterback has the six points per touchdown here. Uh, I think it's kind of overlooked. Uh, but at the end of the day, all of us have pretty good players in the first four rounds. Then it becomes – how do you build your team? And I'm on the clock. Mike, I'll let you uh, you take it from here. Yeah, you know, it, it does. Uh, you know, because you can find yourself in a situation to where, uh, okay, well, I've got uh, some studs. i got a stud quarterback, running back, uh, tight end, uh, or what have you. And uh, next thing you know, you're looking, uh, looking a little thin at, say, running back or looking a little thin at uh, wide receiver. So this uh, round five, six, and seven can really uh, – can really make a difference uh, with your team because there's still a lot of great players out there, a lot of players that that can uh, help build your team. Like I said, Scott, you know, it's all about building the team. And right now it's about building the team. You know, Scott, uh, Scott's still on the clock. Jim, uh, what, these, these rounds, uh, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, I mean, uh, they are so crucial, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. You're, you're talking – you know, you're looking for pure value that has great upside. And, you know, we're already starting to see it here at the end of the fourth round, some some great value coming off the board. Reggie Wayne at 409 to Team Edelman. Uh, Steven Ridley goes off at 410 to Team McCord. Got to love that value, especially with all the unknowns going on in the passing game in, in uh, New England. So definitely Ridley, you know, may may see a little slight uptick. I don't think so. I think Vereen might see a little bit more of an uptick. But even if he doesn't see an uptick, you're still getting great value at Ridley in the fourth. Uh, Colston comes off to the Chimeras to Henry Muto uh, at 411. Definitely nice there. And as usual, Henry is building a, a wide receiver heavy team, and he knows he gets my goat with that. But it is what it is. <laughs> um, he likes his wide receivers. <laughs> now, didn't Henry win a whole lot of money last year going with he he go sure wide did. receiver friendly? <laughs> well, gonna... He sure did. But last year was last year. This year is different. Last year, I totally agreed on him. I didn't believe in going running back, running back early last year. This year, I definitely do. I just think the fall off is big after, you know, you get through that first tier of, like, the top 20. After that, you're really shooting bullets here. This is a draft master draft, and that's the thing we do want to talk about as well. There's a lot of a uh, lot of different components to talk about when we run drafts like this live on the air, especially for those guys that have never played them. We have the drafting goes at FF Toolbox. NFFC has draft masters. Uh, that's very. That's the exact same thing. You don't have to submit your lineup. That's what makes these so much fun. I was talking to Mark Moyer, who's one of the most uh, successful draft master players on the planet. I would say. And uh, earlier today, and he said to me, you know what, I just want to draft. I just want I want my leagues paying out first, second, and third. Uh, I, I want to be able to draft, and, uh, you know, that's 
I don't want to have to worry about not cashing if I have a pretty good team. I want to be able to draft, and I want to have some kind of an ROI that says, hey, if I if I bomb in this league, I can make my money back in the next league. And, uh, you know, that's what people – that's what these guys do. If you love fantasy football, if you love the NFL in general, the draft master draft and go type formats, they're great because – the one thing you don't want to have to do, look, I we know guys in the high stakes circuit, Mike and Jim, we all know them, and they're in this chat room tonight, and they're they're drafting tonight, play fifty to a hundred or, or more leagues, uh, and Jim, I'll I'll, t- I'll tell them about how many you, uh, leagues you you're in for a minute, but the draft master leagues make it so easy to do because you don't have to set lineups every week, and you don't have to do waivers. The team draft here tonight is the team you have for the rest of the season, and I got to tell you. I waited and on on kickers last year got killed. Uh, I took a couple of kickers that I weren't. Re- it was kind of an early draft in the year like this in June. Those kickers did not end up. One of them ended up with a without a job, and one of them ended up hurt. Uh, by the time it was like week uh, three of the season, I had no kickers for the rest of the year. And there's just that's a lot of points that you're missing out on over the course in a draft master total points format. You're missing out on, uh, you know, 10, 8, 10, 15 points a game sometimes. Uh, that adds up over a fantasy season, and it was a hole that I couldn't dig out of. So I'm not going to neglect the kicker. I'm going to make sure I'm in that run. That's one of the reasons I kind of went in the middle of this draft. I uh, Draft masters are very key, uh, and they're very well known for – there's runs that happen, man. They, they just happen. You might have quarterback runs or tight end runs. And if you get caught on the end of one of those runs, if you're picking from one or if you're picking from 12 – and you don't take one of those, and then the run starts right after you, you could have 15 guys gone by the time it gets back, Jim. Oh, absolutely. When you're on the tail end or the beginning end of, uh, you know, around it, absolutely you have to pay attention to that. And, you know, ultimately what it comes down to is you want to be the guy leading the charge. You don't want to be the guy following. So sometimes when you're on the end, you have to, you know, make what some people might consider a reach if there's a guy you really want. You can't take the chance he's going to be there in the next time. You're going to have to go out and get him. Yeah, and Mike, yeah, uh, you, you've got a good team here too, buddy. C.J. Spiller, Aaron Rodgers, Victor Cruz. Did you get Victor? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Victor, Victor and Cruz, Jordy, Jordy Nelson, Nelson and Tony Gonzalez. Yep. Yeah, I, t- I kind of took a little reach there with uh, Gonzalez. I wanted to go ahead and get uh, get a tight end. Uh, I probably could have waited a little bit further down the road, but I, you know, I, I believe in uh, Gonzalez. I, the, the main thing is I believe in is his uh, off-season work ethic and the fact that he's going to just be there every week. And he's just—he might be getting older, but he's—he's he's, he's still going to be around, in my opinion. Well, he's getting older, but he had one of the best seasons he ever had last year. So it's obvious that the age isn't really a factor yet. Yeah, this is uh this is the National Fantasy Football Draft. Mike is back on the clock. Uh Matt Stafford just went to Greg uh Diesel get paddled, who also right before that took one of the popular names that we've been talking about, Rob Gronkowski. It was kind of a run of tight ends there. It went Witten, Ivory, but then it went Gonzo and Gronk. And when you start to see those run those tight ends go with the ones you're comfortable with, that's how it kinda happens. We just saw one of those many runs that I talked about. Witten, Gonzo, oh, gotta get him, Gronk. Now you've got that tight end spot filled. Uh, if you're if you're if you're get paddled, what do you do though to secure that Rob Gronkowski pick, Jim? Do you do you stay within the team organization with New England and maybe try to go for the backup, or do you not worry about if he's going to miss time and you just you just let the draft dictate what 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 you get? No, you know, especially in draft masters. No, you don't want to be thinking like that. You're going to let the draft dictate. 
you know, best player available. That's a, especially when you're talking about 35 rounds. You've got plenty of time here. You're going to have plenty of depth in these leagues. So you're not having to worry about that. And that's the other thing that comes into play when you're talking draft masters. It's actually a different drafting style. There's different players you should be looking at. You know, when you're playing in a draft master league, you're not really so worried about the guys that are consistent week to week. You want those players that are going to give you seven, you know, eight really strong weeks a year. Those guys step up in draft master. To me, they become the guys that I really want to get because I want those guys that are going to put out those big weeks and hope that I have the other guys in my depth that are going to give me the weeks that these guys don't get. And, you know, when you're talking 35 roster spots, you're going to have plenty of players to give you those extra weeks. So you want to go after those big hitters, those guys that have the opportunity, you know, at, at running back to give you 120 yards a game and, and a touchdown or two every once in a while, or the receivers that go for over 100 yards and two touchdowns every once in a while. Those are the guys that really score big in Draftmaster. Yeah. Now, you know, I and, uh Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, you, I I totally agree with that. It, it becomes about um, big time players uh, make big time plays on big time days, right? So it's it's all about the the guys that uh, the Deshaun Jacksons of the world, the Tory Smiths of the world. There it goes, right there. Tory Smith, uh, a name yeah. that I was just uttering there. Uh, the guys that have those big weeks, but you know, there's another one, Mike Wallace. Uh, somebody, you know, one week might have three catches for 50 yards. Well, you don't have to worry about that in Draftmaster because you'll end up with seven, eight, ten wide receivers here at the end of this draft, maybe more, and you're just getting that big week every week. And so, guys, you know, that one of the guys that came to my mind uh, was Denario Alexander. Now, I have him a little bit higher than most. He's one of those guys that I don't want to see slip uh, out of my fingers, you know, in the sixth round. I, I just have a – I like what I saw last year. There are injury concerns. Um, some of the experts will tell you that there's some some real injury concerns with this kid. He's had him for a long time. But, man, did he look impressive or what at the end of that year? There wasn't a, a player that you felt better about starting. I mean, I remember on Red versus Blue last year, people were saying, Denario Alexander or Knicks? Denario Alexander or Fitz? You know, he was in the discussion with the big names, even though they were having very down years. Uh, Denario Alexander was a beast to be reckoned with last year. At the second half of the season, he had a great second half of the season. But, you know, you mentioned the injury concerns. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind where he's going, especially in Draftmaster. Like you said, I think he makes a fine play uh, where his current ADP is. I, I just, you know, I have a hard time thinking he gives you a lot more upside than that. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh I've been doing projections this year. I think a good year for Denario would be uh, you know, look, 210 points. That'd be a great year for Denario. I got him penciled in for 59, 1003 and 9. Now, that might seem a little high. Uh I I I think what he represents though is just for a draft master, it's just the type of player I want. I I just want that guy that I you know, if it's in a matchup and he's he's locked up on a number 1 corner, I'm okay with that. Uh, let's look at some other picks that are going on here, Jim. Uh, in this draft, we uh, we just had a few more hit. Torrey Smith, Mike Wallace, Colin Kaepernick, and Russell Wilson. Now we're starting to see some quarterbacks. Some pink is getting scattered in my draft board here at NFFC. They use pink for the quarterbacks. And I see that pretty much uh, you've got uh, you know nine or so guys that have quarterbacks, but the quarterbacks are so deep this year. How do you feel about a combo like an Eli Manning and a Flacco and maybe an Alex Smith or something, Jim? Absolutely. You know, again, when you're talking draft master, you don't have to worry about which guy to start on any given week. Then absolutely, again, you could put together three, four, 
you know, second, third tier quarterbacks. And because you have so many, you're going to get the good weeks out of them. Uh, and, you know, in, a lot of people feel that you're going to get stronger weeks because you have so many choices. So, you know, it's, it's, there's plenty of quarterbacks out there that have the possibility to end up top 12 this year. There's a lot of guys that on the fringe, offense is making big changes that could easily step up. Sam Bradford's one, Ryan Tannehill's another. You know, I love Carson Palmer this year. So there's a lot of depth at the position, and you could take two or three of those guys and easily outscore somebody that goes out and grabs one stud and one decent backup. One of the guys I'm really worried about this year is Robert Griffin III. <clears throat> he has not been selected in this draft yet. Uh, but Robert Griffin III is one of the guys that looked absolutely like one of the best players in the league from day one. He comes out and he does it all. He runs the ball. He passes. He he doesn't turn the ball over. He, he looks so efficient last year. That injury, there's some real concerns that he loses some of that ground game that really made him such a dual threat. Jim, do you think that uh, do you think that concern is real this year? Because... If you don't have Robert Griffin's wheels, you have Robert Griffin's arm. And there's lots of quarterbacks out there that have Robert Griffin's arm. I don't know if I'd say there's a lot of quarterbacks that have Robert Griffin's arm. You know, the one thing we saw out of him last year was pinpoint accuracy all season long, throwing from almost any position, whether he's in the pocket or on the move. So I'm not quite ready to say there's a lot of quarterbacks that have that arm. This kid can definitely throw the rock with the best of them. And, you know – while they say they're going to take a lot of the running plays away from him, even with that happening, he's still going to get enough yardage on the ground just with random plays that break down, things like that, that he's going to get some points that way. But uh, I'm not ready to you know, put this guy on a shelf, especially in a draft master format. He's a guy I love, and you know, the fact that he's still on the board with all these other quarterbacks coming off, uh, I would absolutely grab him here soon if it was me because I, I just think even if you get 10 games out of the guy, you're looking at 10 super production games, and you're getting him at this point you know, as early as the mid-seventh round with all these other quarterbacks off the board already. I love it. Yeah, you know, that's kind of ironic, Jim, because uh, uh, Scott's on the clock. As a matter of fact, Scott just took uh, Tony Romo. No, I'm a little and behind I, you then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you talked. I think you uh, you you make a compelling argument for Robert Griffin. I I kind of had the mouse on. You know, I'm I'm thinking about it, but at the end of the day, uh, I kind of made my bed with a Jason Witten. I think I think Tony Romo is that guy that uh, that I that I was just gonna feel a little safer about because look, that offense is is wired behind Tony Romo and Des Bryant, Miles Austin, and Jason Witten. That's their team, and they're gonna keep that going. Uh, until they, until he's not the starter anymore, and he's obviously going to be the starter. There's nobody else on the team there that's, uh, unless injury, that's going to take that job from him. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Tony Romo. And uh, some good teams are developing here. I wanna, I wanna start looking at team construction because this is when it gets important. And I, and I saw that Big Happy, Big Happy took uh, the from the ten hole, from the ten hole, ten, uh, Team McCord. Uh, he took uh, two quarterbacks. He's already got Colin Kaepernick, and he took Andrew Luck back-to-back. So within seven rounds, he has two quarterbacks. Now he's sitting with A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Randall Cobb, fantastic start, Stephen Ridley, and Monty Ball. I really like what uh, Team McCord has done here. The question is, is Ridley and Ball going to be strong enough to carry two running back spots throughout the year? He's got a lot of lot of depth at quarterback and a lot of depth at wide receiver that he should be a step above the rest of the competition. 
at wide receiver for sure, and now maybe at above quarterback. So if he has a couple of other guys there to to match up with Ridley and Ball, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially if he starts getting the handcuffs for those guys and locks up that ground game. Uh, but uh, there's, there's a lot of good things going on here. What do you see, Jim? Is, is there anything else that you, you see that's uh, standing out to you? Well, I, I definitely like the way the teams are coming together, and, and the one thing I do see is it, it's definitely more wide receiver-oriented in most of the leagues that I'm, I'm seeing go outside of this group. So, you know, it, it continues to be that trend. Wide receivers are playing heavy, and you got to take that into account. And, you know, in the league where you start in three, you want to make sure you have three solid studs. You know, it's nice to get those studs, but I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable with Ridley and Ball as my one and two. I mean, you know, Ball has been, since the draft, he's been the guy everybody thinks is going to be the starter out in Denver. I'm not so sure it's going to be that case. I think we're going to see a running back by committee in Denver just because of all the different pieces and what they can do. You know, as much as Fox likes to go with one guy, I just don't think they have that one guy who's going to be ready to take it all this year. So that hurts him a little bit. But, again, 35 rounds, plenty of running backs out there that he's going to be able to throw on his roster that are going to get him a few good games every week to compensate for that. So he's building a wrong – you know, he went in with the mindset that he was going to be strong at quarterback, strong at wide receiver, and he's going to take his chances at running back. So I can't fault him with that, especially when you're going to have so much depth. He's going to end his draft with, you know, probably seven, eight different running backs and give himself that value. It's going to be very interesting to see it uh, to see it play out as the draft continues. Uh, some of these teams and the strategies. Let's let's start taking a look at Team Martin from the one hole, who has just now completed the seventh round. And you're going to see those uh, those picks. Uh, you should see those picks uh, queue up. If you need to hit refresh on your my fantasy league draft board, uh, you will see that those picks are are completed there. But let's take a look at Team Martin: Adrian Peterson, Maurice Jones, Drew. Some people are calling MJD this year's Adrian Peterson, the guy that you're getting in the second, maybe third round that can perform like a number one or a top uh, top three or four running back. If he has the, the health uh, and the wheels, he's still MJD. He's going to be a big part of that offense because there's not much else around him uh, in the ground game. Vincent Jackson, Eric Decker, and Lance Moore for the wide receivers for Team Martin. He has Matt Ryan in the fifth. Ahmad Bradshaw, Lance Moore, and Vernon Davis. So that's uh, that rounds out the top eight. Uh, when we look at Team Martin, I gotta love the quarterback. I love the running backs. I like the RB three and Bradshaw. I think that's tremendous value for your RB three. Matter of fact, uh, I, I have seen some people still though, Jim, taking Vic Ballard before Ahmad Bradshaw. Now tonight that doesn't happen. Ahmad goes before uh, and well before about two rounds earlier. But uh, what, what, what's your take there? The Ahmad Bradshaw Vic Ballard discussion. Or is there, there is one? no discussion. <laughs> there is absolutely no discussion, people. They went out and got Bradshaw because he does all the things that Ballard can't do. Um, and, you know, don't worry about the fact that he's in a walking boot. They're just take, being, you know, very casual with him right now, making sure he gets back full. But this is a guy who had 1,000 yards rushing last year. Um, you know, everybody worries about his injury history, but – the fact of the matter is they went out and got a guy who can protect the quarterback, something Ballard can't do. He can catch the pass, something Ballard can't do. And he's a better runner than Ballard is all the way around. So absolutely there is no discussion for me. Bradshaw is the starter, and the fact that you can get him in the sixth round right now is something you will absolutely not see come August. 
Well, you know, I live in Indianapolis, and we get a lot of news there, and it's very interesting to hear how a lot of the newspaper guys and the star news and all these guys, they still like Ballard's role in the offense. They feel like he's going to get a significant workload as a change of pace back, but you're right, change of pace back. Bradshaw is going to get the bulk of the carries due to what he brings in the passing game and in the run and in the pass protection for uh, for Andrew Luck. So, going to be very interesting to see that play out. But I I just do find it interesting that I I'm, I'm telling you, I've watched several drafts since that signing and I've seen several high-stakes pros take Vic Ballard over Bradshaw. So, I don't know if maybe the injury concerns are real. Uh I'm not a doctor. The injury concerns are real on Bradshaw, but when when pencil uh went down with projections, I couldn't really go out on a limb and say Bradshaw was going to be a beast. But I did pencil him in for about 185 fantasy points, Jim. So that uh, that puts him uh, in the category where he belongs. You know, this is a guy who, you know, people can think what they want about Ballard. He wasn't very productive last year. He didn't protect the quarterback at all. And that's absolutely something they know they need. Uh, Bradshaw is rated as one of the best, if not the best, pass-blocking running backs in the league. He does it very well. He's not afraid to stick his head in anybody's gut, no matter how big they are. And that's what they're looking for. And because of that because of that alone, he's going to be on the field so much more than Ballard. It isn't even funny. Well, that's, uh, that's why we play the game, my man. Uh, it, it will be interesting to sit there and digest back and forth how many how many touches that's going to be. I have I have Brad, just for personal projections. You're going to see these on FF Toolbox. I have Bradshaw penciled in for 205 carries, 26 receptions. A little light on the receptions. I just don't I just don't see him. Uh, I don't know. Is he going to play 16 games? Maybe there's a chance. But 230 touches is a very good year for Ahmad Bradshaw to get in and be a part of this offense. I have Ballard penciled in for 170 touches. 155 carries, 15 receptions. So definitely uh, definitely will be nice to see that. And, uh, look, we, we did see a couple of rookies go. We saw Monty Ball go earlier. Look what we just saw. Eddie Lacy and then Giovanni Bernardo. I love these patterns that you see. Once one rookie goes, the other one goes. Eddie Lacy, Giovanni Bernard, uh, Mike Trent, if push comes to shove, uh, which one you like there, Lacy or Bernard? Uh, I'm probably going to like Bernard, even though I took uh, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis way too early. But uh... – you know, I, I still like Bernard. I like his speed, uh, and I like the fact that he might be getting a lot more touches than uh, Lacey will uh, in the Green Bay offense. Lacey, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, he's going to develop. He's going to be a nice player probably come uh, mid-late year, but uh, first part of the year, I, I don't see a whole lot out of him. Oh, i got to disagree totally. First of all, the team has already come out and said Bernard is going to be their you know change of pace guy. They're not going to go away from Ben Jarvis Green Ellis for all the things we just talked about with Bradshaw. He's a better pass protector. He's going to protect Dalton better than Bernard is at this point, and that's going to be an important fact. And you know whether you like Ben Jarvis Green Ellis or not, he was pretty productive for them last year. So they're not going to take the ball out of his hands right away. They went out and got Lacey. They got a guy they wanted. Um, and they're going to put him on the field early. It, the only thing that I see, you know, derailing Lacey is going to be injury. And, you know, we know that's a concern with him. We know that. But the fact of the matter is you're talking about a guy you're getting here in the eighth round. He's going to get, at the very least, all of the touchdown chances. They don't really have anybody else who's going to do that. And if even if he does that in a draft master format in the eighth round, he's giving you tons of value. I'd rather have the guy who's going to give me the chances at the red zone touches than I am – the guy who's going to be the, the change of pace back. So, for me, it's definitely Lacey over, over Bernard for this year. 
got Eddie Lacy. Yeah, he should. He should. Uh, everybody's talking about him being the 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 lead back there in that role, at least for first and second down. And then third down, maybe Franklin comes in. Maybe Dewan Harris spells Lacey on a couple of series here and there. Uh, but that it does. I do feel like that thunder and lightning is going to exist. Uh, I think Eddie Lacey can do it all. You're going to see a pretty decent season out of him. 160, 170 points wouldn't be surprising to me. But what I do like about Bernard is I think that Bernard, by the end, since this is a draft master. He kind of fits that Justin Blackman mold for me. Early in the season, you're not going to see Blackman at all. Early in the season, you're going to see Bernard a little bit. What you're going to see from Cincinnati is a little unrest. And as they lose games and as they're unproductive on the field in the ground game, if that or if that were to happen, you're going to see that Bernard, every time he touches the ball, is going to look better than Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. Does anybody disagree with that statement? He's going to look better than, than the law firm. And when that happens, he's going to demand more and more carries as the season goes on. And by the time that the by the time that the playoffs are here, this guy could be an absolute beast all around. Not just a change of pace back, all around. Uh, he could command a lot more attention in that offense, especially if they say, you know what? Every time he touches the ball, he's just so effective. We got to get him the ball. Yeah, and, and that's the whole key. I'm not disputing that. I think yep. as a runner with the ball in his hands, he's head and shoulders above Ben Jarvis Green Ellis right now. He just is. But the fact of the matter is, it's going to come down to how well he can protect Dalton. Because if you know he's on the field and he misses a blitz package and Dalton gets reamed, then you're not going to see him on the field <laughs> as often. And that's that's what happens to to most of these rookies running backs. Most rookies, most rookies. You're right. You're right. That's uh, it's it's all about keeping that uh, quarterback upright. A couple of tight ends going off the board here. I'm I'm going to go ahead and pull up my draft board because I know my pick is going to be coming up here in just two, Jim. Um, Mike, Jim, either one of you. Uh, Jim, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Greg Olson, Finley, and Jared Cook, three in a row just about. Which one do you uh, do you like out of that three? Well, if I'm going to take a chance on any of these three, and I'll tell you the truth, most of this year I haven't, but out of the three, I'm going to take Greg Olson. Um, I just think he's going to be the most productive. Cook, every, you know, everybody loves Cook that he's gone to St. Louis now and he may get a chance to, to really shine and be the guy that everybody's been wanting him to be for the last three years. Changing teams, new quarterback, new offense. You know, the one thing we always heard about him in Tennessee was maybe he wasn't the brightest bulb in the bunch. And if you're asking him now to go pick up a whole new offense, learn to work with a brand-new quarterback, a new coach, I'm not sure that's going to happen as quickly as everybody wants. So I'm a little off on him compared to most others. Jermichael Finley, I just never thought he was any good. This is a guy who, you know, had the potential and just never lived up to it. Uh, there's guys that are going to be coming off the board here later that I would easily take over him. Nay, hey, don't you know? You know you liked Jermichael Finley after that Arizona game in the playoffs. Don't don't tell me that. We all liked Jermichael Finley after that playoff game. I've never liked Jermichael Finley a day in my life. All right, I'm on the clock <laughs> here. Let's see. Not once. <laughs> well, I'm running out of time here, guys. I'm on the clock. Uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? A couple of tight ends on the board, plenty of quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get a safe tight end. Did it get? Did it? Did I get it? Come on, did it? Did it give him to me? I clicked it. Why is it not? Why is it not registering here? Come on, yeah, software. Not, I'm not seeing it either. Oh, it didn't give him to me. It gave me somebody else. What's going on? I got queued players. I got queued players. What happened? Pause the draft. Pause the draft. 
Do we have a facilitator? Pause the draft. <laughs> I can't help you this time. I'm not. There. Oh, are the are these are these drafts not commissioned live? What's going on? I have a queue Hello. of players. Okay, all right. Oh, here we go. Thank you, NFC admin. Look at this. They're coming in. Yeah. Admin is coming in. The collusion. Admin is, collusion. The NFC admin is coming in. Hey, you got to well, love well, the What tight end is it going to be there, Jim? <laughs> you know, now he's already said a tight end. Uh, let's see here. You got to love uh, the fact. Oh, he says make sure to press the help button. I don't see a help button anywhere. Where's the help button? Anybody the help button it? in the bottom right. Even I know that, Scott. So, oh, I don't so there, oh, Scott. Oh, there it is. I see it. I see it. All right, let me give it, let me let me go ahead and put my let me let me go ahead and put my tight end in here. NFF, NFC admin saves the day. Kyle Rudolph is my guy. There he is. Okay. Whoo! All right, crew. We uh, emergency averted. Emergency ever. Hey, you gotta give me a break here. I'm I'm actually commentating a draft. I've got about ten windows open on my you know here in the office. It's a it's a little tough, but I appreciate the uh, NFFC admins being on it. There's a little red help button down here. If you're not scrolled all the way to the bottom though, you kind of miss it. So it is uh, it is down there. I'll have to remember the help button at the bottom. Thank you very much. Okay, let's get let's get this uh, show on the road again. Uh, there there have been a slew of tight ends going. I think it's important to get that tight end that flex tight end and that bye week tight end to cover, especially if you have an injury, you don't want to have uh, a zero at tight end. Very difficult. If you don't have a starter at tight end, uh, it's very difficult to fabricate points from depth at tight end, Jim. It's not like there's there's studs in the waiting at tight end unless, uh, you know, too much later in this draft. No, but there's still a few guys on the board that, that have the chance to produce uh, some decent numbers. So, and there's some guys that do have some good upside that are still available. So there's still a good few choices here. But there's, let's see, there's at least one, two, uh, two teams, three teams that already have two tight ends on their roster. So they are definitely going fast. And a little surprising to me considering that this is the, the 1.5 point uh, PPR for tight ends in this league. So, Oh, Billy Waz, you're killing me. You're killing me, Billy Waz. Billy Waz just took my uh, my Michael Floyd, the guy in the ninth round. I was going to take Michael Floyd. I thought maybe he would fall back to me in the tenth round. Uh, I, I really have high hopes for Michael Floyd. Maybe I'm a little too high on Michael Floyd, but I really like what I see from Carson Palmer uh, going to this offense. I know that Fitzgerald is going to command the ball, but there are a lot of balls to go around. We talked about it last week, Jim. I know you were on the show. We talked about the impact that Carson Palmer will have on this offense. Uh, I have Michael Floyd predicted for 75 receptions, 950 yards, and eight touchdowns. And there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot of balls to go around uh, in Arizona. That's I mean, Grant, look, if Mendenhall's the answer, so be it. And if Mendenhall can uh, run the ball effectively in in that offense, uh, it changes everything. Harold Goodwin has a uh, and Bruce Arians. They have uh, they 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 say they want to get a ground game going and get the. Um, the the lead ball carrier Mendenhall let give that one guy the rock and let him try, but that's the the quarterback in this offense is still going to throw the ball 550 times. It's going to have 550 times. They had 600 last year. Uh, at least 500, 550 is, is they're going to throw it that many times. So that means there's 3,500, maybe 3,600 yards to go around here uh, amongst 
what? Uh, Fitzgerald, Floyd, Roberts, uh, your running backs, and maybe uh, what? Hausler. That's it. There's not a lot of other weapons on this team to throw to. So that's a lot of yards and, uh, and, and touchdowns and receptions to go around in a PPR league to a very select small group of guys. And you're talking about a guy that was picked very high in the draft that they have high expectations for. So they're absolutely going to get him the ball. I agree with you 100%. But, you know, the thing that if I were you, I'd be maybe a little bit more concerned with was the fact that Greg Dietzler just took uh, Andre Brown from you, seeing as you have David Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Greg, taking my handcuffs. Greg's already taking my handcuffs. Well, you know, I've got other handcuffs you guys can take. You know, McCoy has a handcuff. Forte has a handcuff. <laughs> yeah, guys, go ahead. Take them, take them with will. Uh, I'm looking for you, though, Greg. I'm looking for you. I see you have a handcuff that you need, and uh, you better watch out, buddy. That's all I'm saying. You better watch out. Watch your back. Uh, 347-324-5404. This is the Red versus Blue Show. We are live doing an NFFC draft tonight for the National Fantasy Football Championship. One of our favorite events, Mike. I know we've been in the high-stakes world now for over 10 years, and uh, we, we it all started in the World Championship. We went to the NFFC. We went to Chicago. It was a great time. And uh, it's branched from there. We had the FFPC. Now we have the FFWC. Uh, and, and the guys at the NFFC have always been good to us. Greg and Tom have uh, always been a been great hosts. They're always attentive on the message boards. They they come up with great ideas, unique ideas. There's lots of different draft options to choose from. And uh, look, they're 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 doing some big things, man. They got the Diamond League in Vegas, the ten thousand dollar buy-in league. It's going to be hosted on Sirius XM. They've got the radio show on Sirius XM. There's a lot of good things going on with the NFFC. It's a very good community to be a part of. It's a very tight knit community and a rapidly growing one. So very proud of all of the guys that play in the NFFC. The ownership in the NFC, backed by stats, you couldn't ask for a better partner there. Uh, NFFC is here to stay, and, I'm, and I just enjoy these drafts, uh, even though some may say that I'm with uh, the competition. I think there's plenty of room to go around in this industry for all now, of the guys. I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't even want to hear that, Scott. It, it's, a, it's a fun thing. It's, it's glad yeah. to keep uh, – it's a great thing to keep that relationship going. That's what it's all about because it makes uh, it makes everybody uh, healthier throughout the entire industry. So uh, I think it's awesome, man. And you know, I sent uh, Tom an email just uh, you know a couple hours ago. Said, man, you know, I really want to I want to post something on the message board because it, it's it's neat that we can uh, continue this relationship because I mean it, this is early, but it's it's a great draft that we've always enjoyed. Players love options, and we love what the NFFC is about. I'm on the clock, so I'm going to let you guys wrap. Uh, one of you take it from here. Okay, well, i tell you what, Jim. Uh, there's been uh, a little tight end run again. Uh, Jermaine Gresham, uh, Brandon Pettigrew. Uh, I took Antonio Gates. I guess I'm going old man on old man on tight end. <laughs> uh, but I see one uh, Moron uh, after me took Isaiah P. That's a very that's a very interest, interesting uh, player right now. Brown ten, uh, fifth pick or sixth pick, uh, Isaiah P. Give me your thoughts on Isaiah P. I like Isaiah P. a lot. I mean, you know, you got the uh, suspension start this season, but that's one game. They're ready for it. They're going to deal with it. They have high expectations for this kid. They're going to give him the chance. You know, a lot of people are on that rookie bandwagon. They like Zach Stacy this year or Daryl Richardson, who did you know more than he did last year, but 
I don't see Daryl Richardson being an every down back in this league. He's a good change of pace guy. I think he continues to do that. But he doesn't give you a lot of the other things you're looking for in every down back. I think Isaiah Pete can give you that. I love the fact that you can get him this late. Um, and I, I think he ends up winning this job and becoming the number one running back in St. Louis. So if that ends up happening, to get him in the 10th round, you're looking at great value. Yeah. You know, that's a good point because uh, Daryl Richardson, he's already proven that he's probably not going to be an ever down back. And then uh, Scott went ahead with uh, Bryce Brown, somebody that, uh, you know, has been getting a lot of looks. Uh, thoughts on Bryce Brown? Well, Bryce Brown is another guy. I mean, he came in, had two great year, two great games last year, and, you know, the fantasy world was all abuzz with how good he looked. And, and then defenses seemed to get – you know, to know him better, and all of a sudden he couldn't do anything. I think we see a little bit of both this year. I think uh, in this offense that, you know, we're all waiting to see Chip Kelly and mm-hmm. what he brings, uh, I think Bryce Brown has a chance to, to have a really solid season. I think they're going to, you know, run the ball a lot. That Chip Kelly loves to run the ball, and it's not just going to be McCoy. I think Brown is going to get a big part of that. Yeah, guys, I, uh, I tell you, I – you know, in our FF Toolbox meetings, uh, I, I said, guys, you know, for, for whoever has the, um, the Philadelphia Eagles assigned to them this year, the the team outlooks that we do every year, I feel real sorry for you. You know, it's very hard to predict what Chip Kelly has up his sleeve because he utilizes so many weapons in college. Uh, but he does – you have a feeling that he is going to throw – make sure that the best players are involved and that they're heavily involved. They're playmakers. Macklin's a playmaker. Deshaun Jackson's a playmaker. Both those tight ends. I think there still should be some love for Selleck. Uh, and and uh, Zach Ertz is definitely a, a guy that you got to keep your eye on. But those running backs, McCoy and Bryce Brown, uh, it's an offense that you've got to get the ball into the playmaker's hands. And does anybody else think like me? I mean, does anybody else see this team just on the field, play after play after play? Isn't that what we expect from Chip Kelly? Fast, fast, fast. Get as many plays in as you possibly can. Run these guys to death. Rotate guys in left and right. I mean, they, it would not surprise me to see New, uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles put up New England-type offensive number of plays. Not necessarily yardage and effectiveness, right? They're not right. going to be there yet. But the number of plays from this team, this offense, might just be incredible. It might blow your, might blow the doors off. I, New England, like, they're always good for 1,100 plays. You know, a, a season, that, that's New England for you. And Denver will probably approach that this year as well. But Philadelphia is coming from Marty Mornowag, right? And 800 plays with him and Andy Reid. You put Pat Shermer and Chip, Chip Kelly together, I'll bet you that, I'll bet you 1,100 uh, touches is, is going to be attainable for these guys. And it's just a question for everybody is how does this get diced up with Michael Vick? And are we going to see multiple quarterbacks? Are we going to see three running backs in the game? Are we going to see ten wide receivers catch the ball? This, I mean, how many wide receivers are you going to have, you know? Uh, it's going to be real I don't think we're going to see Mike really Vick, though. <laughs> no? No, I, I don't see Mike Vick as a, the QB for this offense at all. The one thing, you know, at, at least if it's anything like his college teams, because the one thing you need is a quarterback that can read defenses and protect the ball, and that those are two things that Mike Vick just doesn't do very well at all. And you're talking about a guy who hates to study film on other teams, so he's not even learning other teams' tendencies, and that's going to kill him in this offense. Mm. Yeah, I, I get that sense as well, uh, watching uh, watching the head coach being talk, uh, talking about Vick, and, you know, he's going to hang with him, but uh, – this guy wants to uh, make sure that every uh, every pass and everything is spot on. 
And even though it's a high-octane offense, that that makes it even more uh, – just a little bit of a mistake can make that much – be more, so much more magnified is what I'm trying to say. And he's not going to put up with that. I, I don't believe that in, in a bit. Yeah, no, I, I've been saying all offseason, I'd be very surprised if Mike Vick starts more than five games this year. Wow. So you, you see them – I uh, fit at all. Who do you see them turning the turning the realm over to? Well, I think Nick Foles is going to get the next chance. He's not really the mobile quarterback that he's used to using, but he's definitely a lot more cerebral. He's going to know those defenses a little better. He's going to put the time in to study those defense and, you know, to make those right calls. And I think ultimately you're going to see that being the, the smarter move by Chip Kelly. Hmm. Nick Foles. Wow. Well, you heard it here first. I just saw a uh, I just saw a real nice pick that I like from uh, Big Happy uh, that Ronnie Hillman uh, round eleven. We talked about Ronnie Hillman last week, and uh, you know that's that, that's a very interesting uh, setup for uh, uh, for Denver right now, and for him in round eleven, I, I I thought that was a very nice pick. Another guy who's got every chance to be the number one. Uh, you know, everybody's you know looking for that. That guy, but, you know, I, I just see that we're going to see little pieces from all of them here, and if I can get him so much later than you can get ball, that presents all the value in the world to me. Well, let's take a look at, at some of the other teams. Guys. Let's take a look at some of the other teams as they're as they're going here. We, we started with Team Martin earlier. Let's look at Como Husker and what they put together. Uh, Jim, Doug Martin, Frank Gore, Vic Ballard, Eddie Lacy. Good running back core uh, for uh, he's got the, he's got the rookie there for the explosion uh, the the potential upside there he's got Doug Martin probably the best in the game if not uh, right there beside Adrian Peterson and you got Frank Gore who we've always predicted to break down so it's a good core of running backs you look at what he did there by taking Drew Brees he he did wait on tight end I think that's a very wise move uh, because he's able to get Welker Garcon Steve Smith as your three Sidney Rice as your four. And then Owen Daniels, who I think is very underrated in uh, every year. Uh, for the last couple of years, Owen Daniels, and I'm looking at my predictions right now. I didn't take him. Uh, he, his ADP is tight end 12. I have him uh, popping in right at tight end 7 with production because I just don't see uh, where else that offense is going to go. Well, I, I kind of disagree with you because I think that offense is going to go – you know, they're still going to be run heavy. You're still going to get a ton from Andre Johnson. And I think he's going to see a, a few of his touches slide over to DeAndre uh, Hopkins. I really like Hopkins this year, and I, I think he's going to become a playmaker for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if he steals some of those touches coming out of Daniel's hands. Well, I don't I don't disagree that uh, Hopkins is going to be a playmaker, but I think that comes at the expense of that other those other wide receiver twos that they've tried and wide receiver threes that have been out there. The tight ends in this, I mean, if you look at the offense, the offense that Dennison trots out there every single year for the last three years, uh, two years ago, 100 receptions for the tight end, 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. Last year, a little bit down, but Daniels missed some time. 90 receptions, 1,000 yards. That's a very high, big number for tight ends in an offense. You don't just go away from the tight end in your offense when it's such a big part. I will be very interested to read the BFD coaching tree when it comes time for Joe and Lou to put out the coaching tree because when you look at Dennison's offense, he throws to the tight end. The wide receiver twos, 
Uh, they've it's never been heavily involved. I do agree with you. I love Nuke, but as a rookie, you have to remember rookies. A big season for a rookie is uh, you know, is a forty-five catch campaign. That's a big that's a big season for a for a rookie wide receiver. Yeah, but I I think he's above that that elevation. I I think you know to me I I have him as the best rookie wide receiver this season. Um, you know I know everybody's really in love with Devon Austin. Uh, but I think Hopkins is the guy who ends up coming out ahead for this year. I just really love his game. And, you know, you you can talk about all of the wide receiver twos they've had in the past, but they've never had a good wide receiver two, never. I mean, Kevin Walter was a decent wide receiver two, but he was more known for his good blocking than he was as a receiver. He was on the mm-hmm. field because he was an excellent downfield blocker for them, and that you know that's why he got on the field. Now you got a guy on the field who can actually you know pull some of the defense away from Andre Johnson because he is that good. Yeah, this this kid is going to be an amazing prospect for them, and you know when Johnson does leave, he's going to slide right into that number one role. I, I'm really high on him. Hey, I want to give a shout out uh, to route you out. I, I've watched the last two rounds develop. And what an eye and a sense for when to take the quarterbacks. He took Eli Manning in the eighth. We talked about this, Jim. You, we talked about a, tr- a combo or a trio of quarterbacks that you would be happy with. Look at what route you out did, and I don't know if he's going by that name on my fantasy league. Let me see. Is he, is he going by uh, – Team Hill, it says. Team Hill. Yeah, te- yeah, Team Hill. Eli Manning in the eighth, and then he times it perfectly. Look what he does. Josh Freeman, then Rivers and Palmer go, right? Then he comes back and nails Cutler. Manning, Freeman, and Cutler, 8, 10, and 11. That's what you want out of a draft master. Perfect execution. It, there's always a little worry, okay, that you're not going to be able to pull it off, that you're going to wait too long and something's going to happen. You're going to end up with you know, something you're not real happy with, a locker or something like that. Uh, oh, but Manning, <laughs> Manning, Freeman, and Cutler – which we have all heard what Cutler and the offense is going to do this year or what they're going to try to do. I love having Cutler as a, as a QB3 there. He pulled it off, and what he did more effectively is he started a quarterback run. Dalton, Schaub, Flacco, Bradford, all other uh, went in the 11th round, and it wiped them out. Now, the only guys that didn't have a QB2, Billy Waz with Peyton Manning, Team Trent with Aaron Rodgers, and Incredible Hulking Us with Tom Brady. Uh, it makes a lot of sense why, if you have those quarterbacks, you're going to wait. But have you ever looked at a uh, season results for Aaron Rodgers, Jim? Have you ever seen what Aaron Rodgers does? He's not immune to having bad weeks where he only puts up five or six points, ten points. Oh, no, he's definitely not immune. Last year he had seven, I think it was seven weeks like that, where the numbers just weren't there. And, uh, yeah. you know, a couple of games he had no touchdowns. And, you know, just mm-hmm. not what you expect out of an Aaron Rodgers. So I agree with you. Even if you get the studs. You still need a decent backup uh, for those extra weeks. I mean, you know, it just plays out that way all the time. And uh, like you said, some of these guys are really going to be hurting. Well, kudos, uh, kudos to the run for a route you out. Morons does take your boy DeAndre Hopkins. He goes right here. I got to get me another wide receiver. I'm a little thin there, so I'm going to go ahead and grab another wide receiver who I think is going to be uh, a little bit undervalued going into this year. Emmanuel Sanders, a wide receiver two very likely on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, is there any competition for Sanders to lose that wide receiver two job, Jim? Well, uh, you know, a lot of people are high on Marcus Wheaton. I'm not as high. I like Sanders as well. 
I think Sanders is, is going to take that number two role, at, at least for this year. Uh, but, you know, let's face it, this team didn't really go out of its way to sign him. Uh, right. A lot of lot of garbage with that, that whole signing and why he's back. Sure. And, you know, after they lost Wallace, I guess they just felt like they couldn't lose him. But they ended up costing themselves extra money because they handled it poorly. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's always that in the, the way. But I like Sanders this year, especially when you're talking 12th round. Well, I got, we'll uh, I'll tell you, Jim, on this last pick, you know, I, I had my heart set on uh, Bernard Pierce. And mm. uh, he got, uh, he got, uh, get paddled, got me, uh, got me right before that. Uh, I really like Bernard Pierce, and I like the way they're, uh, uh, you know, they're putting him into the offense. Uh, what do you think about uh, Bernard Pierce in, uh, in that time frame? In from? Oh, he's another guy, definitely a guy who's going to get you good production this year. They're going to get him and Rice involved heavily in, a, you know, another, you know, past, I mean, rush-happy offense. So Pierce is another guy that, you know, Rice hasn't missed much time, so it's not really an injury concern with him. But at the same time, these are, you know, running backs, and they do get hurt. If that happens at all, you're looking at a guy who's going to get a gazillion touches, and you're getting him in the 12th round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I it's like a that, very that uh, very fun draft uh, to be a part of, these draft master drafts, these $150 draft champion leagues uh, hosted by the National Fantasy Football Championship. We always like to do this show every year. Uh, and, look, it's a lot of fun. Every strategy, um, you, have to, uh, you have to consider everything. You've got a quarterback to think about. You've got quarterback depth to think about. You've got a tight end starter. You've got tight end depth to think about. You've got handcuffs once you have your running backs. And then you have to trot out three wide receivers at least every week. So it doesn't really end, and now you only complicate it because now the first tie, the first defense goes off the board. Henry Mutos takes Seattle. And what a couple of uh, difference-making weeks Seattle did gave us last year in defenses. A lot of people say that defenses are um, a dime a dozen. You take them one year, you don't know what you're getting. But don't you really know what you're getting with Seattle? Isn't that the same Seattle team uh, that we know we we saw show up last year, very unified, a great leader uh, in uh, what's his name, Pete Carroll, and uh, they they put up some really monstrous weeks in defense that we haven't seen before, Jim. I mean, Seattle single handedly carried people through to the playoffs. That was last year. This is this year. You know, it, look at it. Last year, the team the team that was coming off the spot at this point in the drafts last year was San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted the San Francisco defense, so you had to grab them early. You know, meanwhile, they they struggled to be in the top 12 fantasy defenses last year. Mm-hmm. Just because they're a great NFL defense doesn't always equate to a great fantasy defense. It really depends on the fantasy scoring. Um, if it's really based up mostly on the fact that you need defensive touchdowns, then you just have no idea who's going to come out on top. And it's really a rough choice there's a lot of good skill position players still on the board that you know taking a defenses early to me just doesn't make a lot of sense and you know henry knows this because i i rail about this all the time every week on my show and he's in there and he listens to me and he and i go back and forth on this stuff all the time but you know in, in the end of the run he's the guy who took home a hundred grand check last year that's right <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to agree with him all the time, but he did take home the underground checklist. Oh, no doubt. He ha- he has to step on the field. It's a new season. When you step on the drafts, uh, the very first day one that the drafts start, 
you're no longer uh, you're you're still champion, but the season has now taken uh, the season has started. He has he is defending his title as we speak tonight. So Henry, uh, we would love to see the draft champions uh, champ, champion come out of this draft here tonight. Uh, let's take a look at the draft board and see if we see a team that kind of defies the odds here and has everything you need. So we're just going to scan from left to right as we look through these teams. We've looked at Como Husker. Uh, not a lot of weaknesses there with the running backs and the wide receivers. Uh, also has the tight end, has done a very fine job. Billy Waz is a team that we always like to look at. Peyton Manning has the opportunity to be the number one quarterback in the league. I, I think the same thing you could say about Matt Ryan, although they are going to try to run the ball a little bit more with Steven Jackson and close out some of these games. I think they will be able to do that a little more successfully than they have in the past. Jamal Charles and Reggie Bush, I love that upside. Shane Vereen and Bernard, there's your explosiveness, especially if Ridley goes down. And, and look, let's face it, if Hernandez and Gronkowski are out, and if they continue to be out or and, and that doesn't happen, some of those balls are going to go to Shane Vereen. And some of the short yardage touchdowns that normally get thrown to tight ends, they're going to go to Ridley. Uh, so the ground game could have a much more – and Brady, too. Brady likes to uh, punch him in as well. Uh, so we look at Billy Waz here, Fitzgerald, Stevie Johnson, James Jones, Michael Floyd. Look at that. There's James Jones, Stevie Johnson. Are, is there anything more than uh, – those guys are home run hitters, right? They're not every week starters, not for me anyway, but they're home run right. hitters. Uh, and that's and what that, you're that's, looking for in this format. I agree. You know, hey, it's not surprising that Billy's putting a good team together. It, it seems like all his teams look really good to start the season. But, you know, it, good, solid players there. I love his tight ends, where he got them and who he got. So he's putting a solid team together once again. All right, I'm going to stop using the flash draft board. I'm going to stop using the flash draft board because I, I went ahead and made my selection, hit the red button draft player, moved over to the other screen, thought I had somebody else, and it gave me Andre Roberts. But, you know, hey, that's what you get when you're hosting a Red versus Blue show here. Uh, okay. That's right. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'll take Andre Roberts. Not a sexy pick uh, by any means, but he is he's, he's a guy that maybe will have a, a couple of contributing weeks for me, especially with my uh, ragtag bunch of wide receivers that I have, so. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Uh, Billy Waz. part of it. Yeah, Billy Waz, you've got some good running backs. The wide receivers are the are the kind you're looking for. And then in the 10th and 11, he takes Pettigrew and Keller. You think Pettigrew and Keller can get the job done at tight end? Absolutely, especially if he grabs a third one to give him that extra edge. I like Keller a lot this year. I think he gets involved a, a ton. You know, Pettigrew is going to give you what he gives you. It doesn't give you a ton of touchdowns, so that, you know, takes it a little bit away. But, you know, where he got him, I, I think, presents good value. Yeah, I'm hearing that a lot. Uh, Mike Mike Sherman uh, is the offensive coordinator in Miami. They only threw the tight ends 59 times last year, and you got to think that they are going to spread it around a little bit behind Dustin Keller uh, with the rest of that depth chart, I mean, it's not like it's a um, an, an offensive firehouse, uh, a powerhouse. But you did add Mike Wallace. Uh, you do have Brian Hartline. Um, you, you've got uh, you've got some, enough guys to make some make some things happen. I, I just wonder how much is going to be there for Dustin Keller. Uh, well, that was two years ago that Dustin Keller was a top tight top ten tight end in, on the Jets. Yeah, yeah. Well, what did they have around him? You know, I mean, uh, Tannehill is a guy that I think is a good lock for 3,500 yards. Probably a lock for 20 or 22 touchdowns, maybe 23. 
Um, you have Mike Wallace to satisfy. He's probably going to get 70 catches. You got Brian Hartline that's going to get 50 or 60 catches. You got Brandon Gibson and Armin Benz. I don't know if they're going to get much of anything, you know, but maybe 30 or 40 balls combined. And then you've got uh, you've got a couple of young rookies in like or like uh, Dion Sims and Michael Legner who are going to get a ten or fifteen catch. I don't know. Yeah, I think Keller's good for forty or forty five catches. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's got like a really like powerhouse year in him. I could be wrong. Uh, Tannehill, but but again, do you change the offense? the The question is, is Keller good enough for them to change the offense around him? Right. That'll that'll be the question. Well, they're not going to change the offense around him, and that's not what you're looking for, especially where you're drafting him. You know, in the eleventh round. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I'm sure he's probably around the 15th tight end taken. So, you know, at that point he presents value because he does have that upside. He has done it before. Um, you know, whether this offense really gels to that point where he's seeing 60 receptions, we don't know yet. We have no idea of knowing. You know, they had Anthony Fasano last year. Uh, I'm sorry, he's not even in the same league as Dustin Keller when it comes to being a receiver. So they they actually have a receiving tight end now, a guy who can stretch the the seam, make plays down the seam, uh, and you know this he's playing for a contract. He took a one year deal, even though they offered him a multi year deal, because he wants to show again that the injury is not going to matter, that he can play at a high level, and then he's going to cash out. So you know it. He did this with a purpose in mind. He's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. He doesn't want the injury to be what everybody thinks of him. So, I, I, you know, I tend to like guys that come in with chips on their shoulders. They have something to prove because, you know, they're out there trying to prove it. Well, he did come in as the 19th, uh, the 19th tight end off the board. So, yeah, well, you, you can go. call <laughs> – you can you can definitely call that value uh, because he he was a sixty catch guy in New York. So hey, you know what Billy was? Screw you. Uh, you know what I had I had uh, Ruben Randall. That's the guy I picked. I selected him. I moved off the screen. You should give me Ruben Randall right now. I'll give you back Andre Roberts that they gave me in the software game. <laughs> you know what? Uh, but but uh, you taking my handcuff. You know I have Knicks. Ruben Randall made a lot of sense for me. I was gonna. I was going to gloat a little bit about my Reuben Randall pick. I, I, you know, the, the the Giants and Eli definitely love to throw to that wide receiver three, and it sounds like Randall is that guy. But uh, good pick uh, for you, Billy Waz. Way to go! Congratulations. <laughs> Let's look at a uh, get get paddled, Jim. Break down get paddled's team while I uh, make my selection this time. Well, Greg, I, I like Greg's team he's putting together so far. He's got two quarterbacks. He's got Stafford and, and Roethlisberger. Two solid guys, going to give you some solid production. Stafford has a chance to be a top-five QB this year. Uh, he's already got five running backs already. I love that. Uh, he's got some strong players there. Of course, he's got Foster. He did go and get Tate as, as the backup, which is nice in, in Draftmaster. He got Bernard Pierce. He's got Lamar Miller, and he's got Andre Brown. So he's got a nice setup at running back. Um, he's only got the three wide receivers so far, but he's got three solid wide receivers, Percy Harvin, Roddy White, and Josh Gordon. Um, you know, Josh Gordon, of course, going to miss a couple of weeks with the, the suspension, but he's good to go from there. So if you get 14 games out of him in this offense with Norv, Norv Turner and Rob Chudzinski, you're probably going to get some pretty decent numbers out of him. This is a guy that looked really good last year, and I think this offense as a whole is going to move forward. So I like that choice. And then he's got, you know, Gronkowski and Pitta at tight end. So he's building a good, solid team here with a couple more wide receivers, and there's still plenty of good wide receivers on the board that I like, he's going to have a, a real solid basis uh, to go in every week and put up good, solid points. So I like the team he's putting together. 
that was uh, Jim Day, a.k.a. Fantasy Taz, who's been absolutely fantastic to come on here and and uh, break down the teams with us tonight. Uh, that was Get Paddle, Greg Diesler's team. Let's look at Mike Trent's team since he's up here. Uh, Mike Mike Teasy, you got Rodgers. You have not gotten a QB2 yet. Um, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that. You have not gotten you a QB2 yet. C.J. Spiller, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, and Jonathan Stewart are your running backs. Wide receivers, Cruz, Nelson, T.Y. Hilton, Denarius Moore, and Alshon Jeffrey. You followed up with Golden Tate and Brian Quick. You got you some wide receivers now. Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates looking for the uh, looking for the comeback there for Gates. But in the 10th round, hey, I think it's worth the risk. Now, did we ever see Hernandez go? Is everybody saying forget Hernandez? Did he, did he not get drafted at all? I don't think he's I don't want drafted to get yet. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get drafted. I don't. I don't know. I, I think people are just. Oh, I think he'll get drafted. You know, at I, some I think point, they, they feel like he's the shot. bubonic plague. At some point, he's kind of the guy that's you know, he's going to curse your team if you draft him. That's what I think. Well, it's definitely that's, that possibility. You know, so much we don't know yet, so it's so hard to really go. But at this point, you have to think the league's going to step in no matter what happens, and he's probably going to see a suspension of some type. Well, the more I think yeah. about it, you know, the uh, the gut in me, Mike, I, and I want to hear your take on this because you're obviously somebody that's always looking, listening to the news and reading the news every day as well, and I, and I haven't talked to you this week since this has all went down. But you have to think that if you're a Hernandez dynasty owner, you've been getting lots of trade offers uh, probably for nothing, third round and fourth round rookie picks, hardly anything to speak of, maybe a Hausler and a third round pick or something you're getting, not much. Uh, you have to think to yourself, is the question that you have to ask, if he was the shooter, you know he's done. He's toast, right? He's done, he's out of here. If he was at the scene or was involved uh, in any way at the scene, he's going to be hurting. If he was simply covering up for a friend that he knew did wrong, and he was what that's, and I guess that's called obstructing, right? You're obstructing justice. You're trying to hide up the what you know. You met up with him. You found out what he did. Now you're trying to help protect a friend. You're going to be screwed for a while, but not for as long as if you were directly involved. It just just comes down to we don't know. Well, you know, the bottom line is he's in a he's in a bad situation and put himself in a bad situation. And uh, Roger Goodell, uh, let's face it, he, he already uh, he doesn't put up with crap like that. So uh, I think it's uh, if I'm in a dynasty league and I have uh, Aaron Hernandez as one of my prime tight ends, uh, it's going to be kind of like what uh, Jim said. You know, if he if he is obstructing justice, then he's going to be suspended for a while, but it won't be that long. Uh, you know, maybe uh, six weeks, four to six weeks in that range. Uh, if he actually uh, committed the crime, then, uh, you know, that's a bad deal. If I've got him on my dynasty league and if I've got third, fourth round offers for him, I'm going to hang on to him. Well, yeah, you're not going to get any value if you try to trade him in a dynasty league right now until somebody knows more, at least not for most owners. Uh, I know I wouldn't give up, a, you know, what his value is, what his value was a week and a half ago. I wouldn't give up for him right now. So, you know, to try and trade him now, you're, you're dealing from a point of weakness, and I never try to trade from a point of weakness. That's just bad business. Yes, uh, Henry, <laughs> Henry Muto in the yes, chat room. I was, I was offered Joe McKnight for Hernandez straight up. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says he owns so Hernandez in right I don't even know what round it is. 
Round 15. Uh, Urinal Mint says, five to six year sentence for obstruction of justice, serve one to two years. Well, the question is, if you're charged with that, uh, well, first of all, you post bail and you're out on bail. Do you think he's allowed back in New England if if he's waiting for trial and maybe the trial is last, you know, a couple years from now, maybe it's a 10 months or maybe a year and a half from now? You think he's allowed back in the facility? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, add to the fact that he's already hired the best law firm in Boston uh, to to represent him. And, you know, we've seen it happen too many times with – with celebrity ball players, I mean, they get they go out and they can afford the the best lawyers in the business, and mm-hmm. you know every time we think something huge is going to happen, those lawyers get it kicked down, and we don't see that kind of thing come out. And you know, I mean, look back, Dante Stallworth, guys like that, um, you know, even Ray Lewis, uh, guys have had these issues yes. and gotten through with it and gone on to to play. I'm trying to win ten grand here, guys. I'm trying to. It's the fifteenth round. I've already been burned on Ruben Randall. I'm going to take a flyer on Hernandez that says, you know what, maybe he gets, like you said, the law firm that he needs. He needs Ben Jarvis Green Ellis is what he needs. Uh, he, needs to, he needs to get some representation and uh, get his head on and then, you know, play some football, just block everything else out. Look, the players' union, at the end of the day, you have to think the players' union has some say in this, what, what New England can and can't do uh, to Aaron Hernandez right now. Even if they don't want to be involved and they don't want the media circus – you can't kick this guy off out of the the facility and out of the uh, off the team because he's going through something. It is innocent until proven guilty, right? So you have to let that play out. You can't kick him off. The players' union has to have a say in that, right? And and I think what we're seeing now, the fact that he got told to go home when he went to the facility, is just for now. I mean, I'm not if. The media circus has died down a little bit, then he'll be back. I mean, right now they just don't want that media circus there because they're trying to, to focus on this year, and they want all that focus to be on football, not any of this. So they're going to push that out until this wears down. And it, it's kind of one way or the other. Either they're going to charge him something like that is going to go on, or they're going to realize that he wasn't really involved, and, you know, that's going to happen. But something is going to happen over the next you know, you got to figure a couple of weeks here that we're going to have a more definitive answer. But the problem right. is you're drafting tonight, so what do you do tonight? You wait till the 15th round and say what the heck. <laughs> All right. Uh, very good pick by, uh, again, Billy Waz, who seems to be uh, just pilfering off guys left and right off my list. Aaron Dobson uh, was just taken, uh, again, in the 15th round. Could Could play a very integral role. In that offense, and to be honest with you, if there's issues to those tight ends, this could be one of the bigger rookie seasons we've ever seen uh, from a player. I mean, who else are they going to throw the ball to? So, very, very interesting for uh, for Billy well, Walker. Let's take a look. Julian Edelman. Uh, I'm serious. I mean, again, you're dealing with a guy who's, who's had injury issues, and you're dealing with that. But don't don't minimize the fact that he and Brady work together. They know each other. Brady feels comfortable with him already. Uh, so that may very well play into it. I, I love Dobson's upside, and again, you know, this late in the draft, you're not really taking any kind of risk here, and you get tons of upside. But at the same time, Edelman might be the guy that comes out as the number two wide receiver when all is said and done. Could you wait until Billy Waz is off the clock before you bring up Julian? Uh, please. <laughs> no, no, okay. Oh, I thought that was yeah. great because, uh, as a matter of fact, that's so that, that's so prophetic because. 
uh, one of our very first drafts in Chicago. <laughs> Scott and I, Scott actually, uh, he scoped out this guy named Julian Edelman or whatever. Yeah. And next yeah. thing you know, they're having to put it on the board because they, they, they didn't have the name down. It was one of them write-ins. They had put it yeah, on a little yeah. magic marker, you know. And, and I was like, wow, Edelman, who the heck is he? Remember yeah. that guy? Sure do. <laughs> that was uh that was his first year that uh, he made draft boards and uh yeah. We uh we all we all said that he was a, a Wes Welker type clone for uh for, for Brady, you know, if they needed him, so Well I gotta tell you I really loved uh Billy's sixteenth round pick of Joseph Randall. Um, you know, I, I like this kid a lot and I, I landed in a great situation in Dallas. Uh, again, not a big fan of Murray. I think Murray has a year to, you know, to prove he can stay healthy. If he doesn't, then you're looking at Joseph Randall sliding into that spot. Um, and I, I like him this year because you're probably going to get a good five, six games starting out of him. Okay, can we stop talking about Billy? The name Billy Waz is not allowed to be said anymore on Red versus Blue tonight, okay? That's it. I've had enough Billy hey, Waz, all right? Hey, Scott, 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 real quick, as a matter of fact, that year that Julian Edelman was the right end, that was the first year I ever met Billy Waz. Okay. All right, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> well, i got to tell saying. you, this, this D.C. Merck team definitely is picking some nice players. All right, so let's let's be rolling. Uh, team Trent, we talked about Team Trent. Let's look at Team Morons. Uh, we've got 20 minutes left in the show. Robert Griffin and Matt Shaw, at quarterback, so you're sitting pretty there. You're fine. Uh, might might need another third. Uh, third. Uh, we've seen a couple of kickers come off the board here now in round 15 and 16. So if you're taking notes, that's about the time when the kickers start coming off the boards. Um, for Team Morons, Griffin and Matt Schaub, DeMarco, Ivory, Mendenhall, Pede, and Williams. That's a very interesting combination. I really like Ivory this year. I think he's being a little bit undervalued. I do think he'll catch the ball a little bit more than what most people are saying. I think he'll get maybe 20 or 25 catches to go along with a thousand yard season on the ground. There's not, uh, I mean, unless Goodson gets more work than I'm predicting, I think Ivory in that offense is good for a uh, thousand, a thousand yards this year. I think you'll see it, and I think you'll have a respectable number of touchdowns. So a nice RB two there. If he there. can stay on the field. Well, right, yeah, he's got to stay on the field. He's got to stay healthy. Mendenhall, a nice RB three to take a chance on in the sixth round. This is a guy that we've seen his ADP continue to climb all throughout the offseason. Uh, drafts, he started in like the ninth and tenth round, moved up to the eighth, seventh. Now he's in the sixth round based on the news that Bruce Arian says he's got his guy. Wide receivers for morons, Calvin, the best in the game. Amendola looks like a fierce uh, a force here for New England. Deshaun Jackson, Kendall Wright, your boy DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, so he has his uh, two starters, and he's got some guys in D-Jax, Kendall Wright, and Hopkins to kind of rotate in. And I do like this uh, this Jordan Cameron pick that he takes. Uh, he's got Jimmy Graham, the best tight end in the game, and he takes Jordan Cameron for maybe a potential flex play every once in a while. So nice squad that uh, Morons has uh, put together. <laughs> What's that? Second best tight end in the game. When Gronk is on the field? Yeah, well... Gronk outscored him by what? Almost three points a game on average. Game yeah, points. Yeah, that, that was without Sean Payton, my friend. Oh that yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when he scores double digit touchdowns every year, he touches the ball. Let me 
and let me know. That he does. Uh, Gronkowski is good for the touchdowns. Okay, good effort, but morons. I really like the fact that he has star power in Calvin and Graham leading the way, along with Robert Griffin. Is actually, I mean, he's done everything he had. He was asked to do in his first year, and he has a nice squad. He's put it together very nicely. Not a lot of holes, and he's even went as far as taking a a kicker and a defense to make sure that he's not falling behind the eight ball. And sure enough, uh, we're seeing some teams that already have two of each. Uh, if you look on the side of the board, Henry Muto already has two kickers and two defenses. He's like, uh, screw it, I'm, I've got my lineup. I'm going to go ahead and start securing some some defenses and kickers. So that run has to begin about now in the 15th and 16th round. It's one of the more unfortunate parts of the draft for all of us, I think. Once that happens, you're like, oh, crap, we got to get this out of the way. There's so many good players here. I want to take them, uh, but i got to get this kicker out of the way. It's just, a, it's just the worst <laughs> part of the draft for me. You get these three rounds out of the way, and then we're all gold. Well, you know, I, I, again, I'm not a big proponent of taking the kickers and defenses early, but Henry went out and got two solid at each, so he's making sure he's set there. And now he can play the field and go run around and grab all loose ends at, you know, running back, wide receiver, heck, even another quarterback if he wants to. Uh, and he's got plenty of time to do that, so I can't fault that. The one thing I will say, though, going back to the morons real quick, um, you know, I, I love Griffin. You heard me talk about him earlier. Uh, Matt Schaub is a, a decent guy. He'll, you know, probably get you another 4,000 yards. I think the Hopkins pick definitely helps him. But the fact of the matter is when you're sitting there with Robert Griffin, it, for me, I, I want to see a third quarterback there just because you have the injury risk with Griffin. And it's a big mm-hmm. risk. It, it's not an easy risk. You know, it's definitely something that's going to be there. So for me, you know, if I'm going to go after him, I, I still want to be looking at getting, you know, three solid tight uh, quarterbacks in this kind of draft format. Mm-hmm. Because well, if you're out, is... you're relying on Matt Schaub every week, and that's not going to get it done. Well, you know what, Jim? Uh, you know, I kind of hear what you're saying. Uh, Scott's on the clock right now. You know, right now I'm sitting here with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Kristen Ponder. Uh, you yeah. know, and I mean, I probably waited a little bit too long because now I don't know if I can go get me a third quarterback unless it's, Christian Ponder's backup and the backup after Christian Ponder, if you know what I mean. And that's no, I, I know exactly what you mean, and that's where the problem lies is waiting too long. But I'm just uh, – basically what I've done is I've banked on uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, going to be my go-to guy every week, and uh, just, man, knock on wood, hope he doesn't get hurt. But but let me tell you, in this format, though, that's not a great play because, as we were talking about earlier, last year he had seven – weeks of subpar play so you know if he does that again then those seven weeks you're going to get crushed and that's going to hurt you that way and you know it and that's where it comes about where in the draft master format it's almost definitely better not to get that those stud quarterbacks and do what some of these other teams are doing grab three in you know the eight to twelve round range and they may not be the guys that are going to throw for five thousand yards or throw for 40 touchdowns, but because they, they're they doing it on different weeks, you're going to have a solid yeah. starter every week. And that's well, what you're yeah. going to be having trouble with. Yeah, you have to as a, as a player, when you've ponied up $150, right, and that's a lot of money, I don't care who you are, uh, $150 is, is, is high stakes to some people. To the average guy that's out there that uh, just plays in $20 and $50 leagues, $150 is a lot of money. Uh, and when you wait till you uh, till the eighth round to get your QB one and Eli Manning as the thirteenth quarterback off the board, 
and you still go and get you two guys like Freeman and Cutler, you pulled it off, which is why we, we really uh, I really liked what I saw from the route you out uh, team. Let's look at the rest of his squad because we talked about his quarterbacks. Ray Rice, Steven Jackson, and McFadden. Him and I were the only two guys that went RB, RB, RB. He, what he did, though, is he went out and got him great wide receivers. He did a much better job of executing than I did with Dwayne Bowe, Antonio Brown, Torrey Smith, and Kenny Britt. See, those are the types of guys that it feels like you could count on uh, in a stardom league when you have to put your lineup in. Uh, and he doesn't uh, actually, have to do that. I, I'm not... I'm not quite there. Torrey Smith is definitely not a guy you, you can count on week to week. I mean, if you look at him, he's, he's going to give you four or five great weeks and then a bunch of nothing. Uh, that's just his thing. It, you know, he's like Deshaun Jackson in that way. He's going to give you those great weeks, but he's not going to give you consistency. And, you know, that's great in a draft master. That's what you're looking for. Dwayne Bowe is another guy. We don't really know, you know, everybody wants to believe that Bo is going to go out and have a great season now that Reed's there and they brought in Alex Smith. But, you know, we still don't know. But the one thing we do know is that he'll give you, you know, four, five, six really strong weeks. And that's what you're looking for here. Kenny Britt, same way. Uh, you know, we'd be lucky to get 12 games out of him just based on his history. But if you get, you know, 12 games on the field, you're going to get six or seven really solid games. And that's what you're looking for. What do you think about Kenny Britt? I mean, this guy, we saw that he flashed uh, top type of wide receiver potential. He has the pedigree. Uh, he was a late first-round pick, and he could have been taken by the uh, the Giants uh, when they took Hakeem Nix, but they decided on, uh, you know, when they decided on Nix, and then you had the Titans there with Kenny Britt. Uh, so you look at a guy like Kenny Britt that's had the head case issues in the past. He's kind of gotten over those, or so we – so we think we haven't heard his name mentioned, which is a good thing when you're Kenny Britt. And now he's uh, he's got an opportunity. Look, he's in a contract year, and the bottom line is opportunities for contract years for wide receivers don't come up very often, right? That's This is his one last shot at the apple, so to speak, right? One last bite of the apple. He can't mess this up. If he messes this year up, it's over for him. This is his one big chance to correct the wrongs and right the wrongs. So he has everything working for him. The question is, does he have the uh, mental fortitude, the strength, and then, uh, you know, the skill set, uh, we know he has. So right. it's a very good opportunity uh, to get a Kenny Britt, you know, this this part in the draft. No, and again, in draft masters, I, I love Britt as a pick, especially where you can get him. In a regular league, not so much. Two things work against him, in my opinion. First of all, he's an idiot. Uh, and this goes back to the days I followed him at Rutgers. He's an idiot. Um, he's a young kid who's immature well beyond his years, and he shows that too often, and that scares me. But the other thing that scares me even more is Jake Locker, at quarterback. Uh, I'm mm. just not there with Jake Locker. I, you know, This is a guy that has accuracy issues, has always had accuracy issues, and at this level you can't have accuracy issues. These defenders are too good. These defensive coordinators are too good. They're going to figure that out, and they're going to pick you off left and right. And that's what we're going to see with Locker, and that scares me the most. i tell you, Mike, I don't remember so much venom towards one quarterback in a while. It seems like everybody I talk to really dislikes Jake Locker. What is it with this guy? You know, I I don't know, but that was was well put, Jim. I mean, we really need – I'm so glad that we got the uh, podcast because that was beautiful. That was so well put. <laughs> well, thanks. It's just, uh, you know, just a guy I just can't get behind. I never, 
I didn't think coming into the league, I didn't think he'd be a good NFL starter at any point. You know, I know what he did in college. I know, you know, that he makes plays and he was able to do that at that level. At just at this level, you know, the one thing you can't teach is, you know, is accuracy. If you can't hit the side of a barn, you can't hit the side of a barn. Nobody's going to make that any better. Yeah. All right. Uh, Team Trent just took the Arizona Cardinal defense. The Morons just took Marcel Reese. I'm going to go ahead and get another kicker, and I don't know if it's a good one or not because they do. They did go ahead and get grab another kicker on the team. Stephen Hoshka will go ahead and grab him just because uh, Seattle has a good offense. Okay. So we like route you out. The consensus is that we like. Um, oh, Martellus Bennett. I'm sorry, Dwayne Allen, Rob Hausler. Very nice, intriguing trio there. We like what we're hearing about Hauser, obviously. Dwayne Allen, it sounds like they're going to use him all over the field, and he could be the better option uh, for the Indianapolis Colts moving forward. Uh, but Martellus Bennett, look, this is a guy that's going to fit right into the Giants' offense. Um, Chicago. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, the Bears' offense uh, from the Giants. Yeah, yeah they, doing they, that too, so I feel... I know. <laughs> I know, I've done, that before. I've done that several times this year. Uh, yeah, he looks he looks really good. This is a guy that that should be safe. He should be safe for 50 catches, five touchdowns, 600 yards. It seems like a nice number that you should be able to count on from this guy. And that's a good that's a good tight end at this late that late in the draft and to have uh, in the ninth round. Now I I prefer Kyle Rudolph a little bit, but they're all in that ballpark. I think they're all in that ballpark of hey, get you one, get you a tight end, and go with it. But I really like what he did at depth, waiting for the 14th and 15th round to get guys like Dwayne Allen and Rob Hauser. I really like those two picks. I think they'll come in very handy uh, for him. But, again, the story of his draft, obviously, the, um, the it, it was all running backs, all wide receivers, and then pretty much all quarterbacks. Very, very well done for him. Incredible hulking us. We have 12 minutes left, so we got to get through these last four teams. Let's try to stay focused here. Tom Brady, Alex Smith, Jake Locker, anything with Tom Brady you're going to be happy with. Trent Richardson, Chris Johnson, uh, Chris Johnson, at that point in the draft, there was some other choices there that I personally preferred, but Chris Johnson uh, definitely in this format, it's a it's a it's a much easier uh, a road to ask of him when you don't have to start him every single week. So Chris Johnson there makes sense. Demarius Thomas, Reggie Wayne, Mike Wallace, Macklin, and Cecil Shorts, dominant dominant effort. Uh, Brandon Myers and Fred Davis rounded out. I'm not so sure exactly what that is at tight end. We will wait and see. I actually and like the, that. That's Do you? You know, yeah, yeah. First, Brandon Myers. I mean, I'm, we're not going to see the year he had with Oakland last year. He's not going to get that many chances. But again, yeah. you know, a solid lock for 50 catches, 650 yards, six touchdowns. I feel is easy numbers for him this year. Uh, you know, Eli always makes his tight ends look better. And then Davis. This is a guy who has top five talent coming off an injury year. He's going to be mm-hmm. the guy to start. I mean, I know they drafted uh, Reed, but he's not ready yet. He didn't have any time in the OTA, so he's already behind the eight ball. Um, Davis is going to be the guy if he can stay healthy. And, you know, there's really no reason he didn't have a huge injury history before last year. So it's not something that's nagging. So I think those two picks are actually going to do him just fine. Yeah, 55-706 doesn't sound real crazy. Uh, and he has to prove himself. This is his this is the year he has to prove to prove himself. But when you said he doesn't have to a uh, nagging, I mean Achilles injury is a terrible injury, Jim. It's no, terrible. No, I, I understand uh, that. But medical, the, the medical field is coming so far. 
Now, these mm-hmm. guys are coming back so much quicker than they ever did before. They're coming back quicker. They're coming back stronger. And, you know, we know the Achilles is, is a bad injury, but we've already seen guys come back from the Achilles and go on to play very strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it is nice to see that he's doing uh, he's doing a lot more drills. He's doing some route running. Uh, he's participating with RG3, so that that's nice to see. The fact that he tore in week seven against the Giants, man, it's just amazing. It would be it would be amazing to me if he could come back and, and have a really good season uh the first year back. But uh you know, hey, you know, they're 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 surprising. It's almost like the Crabtree. They're talking about Crabtree maybe contributing, and it's just really hard to believe that an injury like that that you can yeah. come back. But very good effort though, don't you agree for incredible hulking us? I really like the team. Big happy. Big Happy is the next on the docket here. Team McCord. And Jim, I'll let you uh Jim and Mike, I'll let you take this one since I'm on the clock. Yeah, well, what do you think about Team McCord there, uh, Jim? I've taken a little bit of a look at him. What do you think? Well, I like his quarterbacks. He's got uh Kaepernick and Luck and while I'm not really as high as most people are on both of them, I still have both of them inside my top twelve, so nice combination there. Um, you know, you know, I think both of these guys give you a lot of solid games over the course of the season, you know, that really makes that work. Uh, at running back, you know, Stephen Ridley and Monty Baller is 1-2. That's a little scary to me, but he also came back and got Ronnie Hillman a little later, so ties that up a little bit. He's got Pierre Thomas, Darrell Richardson, and Jonathan Franklin. So he's putting a lot of pieces together, hoping those all those pieces come to give him, you know, 17 strong weeks. So, uh, a lot of times that's what you want to do. If you're not going to go running back heavy early, then you're just going to add a lot of pieces to it later. And you got so much depth in these drafts that it just makes it easy to do that. But then you turn around and you look at his wide receiver group, and this is where you can see he really went all out because he's got Randall Cobb, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, and then Anquan Bolden is his number four. Um, you know, three of you know what people consider top running wide receivers and, you know, in most cases, most of these guys are going in, you know, first or second round. So definitely some great quality there. Uh, takes a big hit at tight end for me. So far, he's only got Colby Fleener. Um, so he's really going to have to stretch to find some other value on the board at this point. Uh, not a ton left, in my opinion. So he's going to be scrambling in tight end. But then again, you know, you're talking another guy who's got two defenses already, two kickers. And I'm pretty sure that was because of uh, – Henry uh, Muto and going after his early starting runs with other guys. But uh, I think the tight end position is going to be his hardest position to really put up consistent points. But those wide receivers could easily make up for that difference. Now, you do have somebody in the chat room, uh, Team Greenberg, asking, how can you not be high on luck? Uh, I don't I don't think that uh, you were saying that oh, you Oh, can I didn't... answer that? No, no, I'd like to answer that. Okay, well, um, we got seven minutes in the program. Go ahead. Okay, well, I'll do it fast. Um, the reason I'm not as high on luck as most people is because over the last seven games of the season, he was under 50% completion percentage. Um, you know, when you add up the, the whole season, he only completed 54% of his passes. There there were a lot of quarterbacks that people don't even consider as a good quarterback, too, that completed more passes than that. Uh, you know, the reason he's a fantasy producer is because he threw the ball over 600 times. I don't expect him to throw the ball that much now. 
as much as last year, this year, and I think that hurts him. If he gets his completion percentage up to, you know, 60, which is average, and even above, which we would expect from him, then sure, his numbers will go great, go much higher. But the fact of the matter is, until he gets those completion percentages higher, I can't take him as much more than a 12 right now, which is now that's I, a, you know what I'm I, I'm not going to start a debate here an argument because we only have a few minutes and I want to get to these other teams. But come on, man. Come on. Can I get a come on, man? 13 Why can come on, man? Per, he had 54% completion percentage last year. 13 yards per reception. Did you not watch the same games I did? This guy was firing down the field missiles. Like, firing missiles down the field. He didn't care about that 10-yard pass. He was going for 25 and 30, and a lot of times... Well, that's Bruce Arians for, for you. <laughs> that's yeah. Bruce Arians, and he's not going to yeah. have that this year. They're not going to have the same offense. He's going to go to a much shorter passing game. It's going to come a lot closer to the line of scrimmage, which should help his completion percentage, but it's also going to take away a lot of those big plays. I'll tell you what, I really like what um, Big Happy did. The only concern I have is tight end, obviously. He didn't really put it together there, and it's it's a tremendous hole in the offense. The question will be, can he counter that? with the tremendous depth and point differential he'll have at wide receiver position. He does have a little bit of a weakness at running back as well, so we'll have to see if he can get that short up. Uh, Chimmer is Henry Muto, the champ here. Russell Wilson and Carson Palmer, the champ. Uh, Russell Wilson, Carson Palmer, Marshawn Lynch, Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram, Danny Woodhead, undervalued, Joyke Bell, undervalued, Christine Michael, nice pick. And then Des Bryant, Andre Johnson, Marquez Colston, very solid trio every single week in, week out. Taking a flyer with Tavon Austin and Muhammad Sanu. He obviously has flyers in these last 15 rounds. He's going to fire away at some wide receivers, I can almost guarantee it. That's what we're going to see from Henry Muto here. Jared Cook and Greg Olson holding down the tight end spot. We'll take that. Four minutes to go. Team Greenberg, let's wrap it up. Cam Newton, Phillip Rivers at quarterback. Anything with Cam is fine. Alfred Morris, Darren Sproles, Ryan Matthews, very underrated, and I think uh, probably teams are really down on him because of what he did to you last year. But uh, expect a little bit of a better season from Ryan Matthews. Brandon Marshall, Greg Jennings, Miles Austin, Mike Williams, a good four. Throwing in some flyers with Finley and Mercedes Lewis. We'll see if he can hold that together. And then, uh, you know, look, you take a Corderell Patterson, Hartline, Michael Bush, Mike Goodson, just getting some contributors there in the end. Uh, decent effort there from Team Greenberg, and something that obviously good wide receivers, good quarterback, solid running backs. The only question here is, did he get the right tight ends to hold it down? And with Jennings gone, maybe Finley, uh, this is his chance to redeem himself. Mercedes Lewis, I definitely think. Wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey. Thank you, Jim, for being on it, man. We would, no way we would have been able to do it without you tonight, buddy. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun to talk drafts. Jim Day, hey, Jim. a.k.a. Fantasy Taz, uh, has left the building. Exactly. Isn't that the truth, though? I appreciate uh, appreciate you having him on, Scott. That, that sure helps. Oh, it did. You're now, look, I'm, I am on the clock, and I'm just kind of taking flyers here. I don't have any defenses yet. I guess I got to – do I have to get one? You got it, you got it. Okay, they're, they're they're telling me I have to get a defense. Okay, I'll take Atlanta. Don't don't know what I'm getting there, but uh, look, you got to take a defense. So go ahead and take one, uh, Mike. You're going to have to take one. Oh, you took Green Bay. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got my two defenses. Believe it or not. 
cops are looking for the guy who picked up Romo. You're an old man. Hey, everybody in the chat room, thank you for joining us. It was a lot of fun. We had another good uh, turnout here for the NFFC uh, Red versus Blue draft. Uh, next week, we're going to have another good show. Kimra Schlesher, uh, one of the finest players in all of high-stakes fantasy football, will join us next week. And uh, we've got a lot of big things coming up. We've got some prize giveaways coming up on Red vs. Blue next week, next Friday night. I think you're going to really like it. So uh, definitely stay tuned to Red vs. Blue next Friday. Mike, a lot of fun. Let's keep drafting, man. We've got another couple of hours of this, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Scott, for uh, including me. And uh, thanks again to Jim. And thanks again to all the guys at the uh, NFFC. Uh, Blog Talk Radio and uh, everybody involved. Been a lot of fun. And Jim Jim Wisehart, our friend in the booth, taking care of all the picks. We really appreciate you, my man. Everybody, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.